Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It doesn't matter what their business model is. Like, if I have this, I can sell this shit for whatever I want to sell it for. You can tell me all the Tic Tac facts that you want. You can tell me about your business model. You can tell the greatest thing about the position I'm in is that I own this and I can sell it whenever I want to. I can get down on money and be like, you know, I'm going to go make future so catalog from this year to that year so that means he sold a portion of his catalog maybe he's seen something for six for, for 50 mil that he wanted to invest right. in who knows but that's the beauty of ownership no I, I definitely believe leverage and strategy is something that that's the whole point of ownership in yeah the first yeah place. i think i think in i think in our space i think it's so unique and that's why it's so hard to compare it to like um you know uh silicon valley and and tech but it's and, a I feel like though they don't want us to make those comparisons, but I feel like it's the same thing. It's a product, yeah, right? yeah. And it's a product that sells every day, and the market size is getting bigger and bigger. Streaming is getting bigger, and then you got new tools. So, so what you what you have to do is you have to place value on what you are. Nineteen keys, high level conversation. Tap in with the dogs. Peace family, is 19 Keys here. I'm here for another high-level conversation with a hip-hop royalty. This is a young guy who, you know, I believe emanates a certain masculine energy, you know, through his lyricism, through his voice, being an outspoken person in hip-hop. I feel like he's a, a father figure in hip-hop um, because a lot of times when I see things happen in the culture, he speaks on them in a way that I feel like you will get admonished or chastised or you will get recognized by your father. You understand me? And Royce the Five Nine is also somebody who, you know, when it comes to lyrics, I believe that he is one of the greatest. You know, if there was a a, 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 a list or a Mount Rushmore, you definitely have to put him up there. And also when I talk about legends, I talk about the consequences of all the things that they've done. That if you take certain people out the algorithm, then how many things would disappear, right? 
And I think that if you think about a person's legacy in that way, then you can appreciate them more because then you can see the extension of their life and the energy that they possess. So I've wanted to have this conversation with this brother because I know that, you know, he's a, a tree of wisdom. You understand me in a library of stories. And of course, we are here in Detroit at the Heaven Studios about to have a high level conversation with the God. Peace, black God. Man, thank you for those kind words, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, thank you for coming through. I really appreciate it. I've been wanting to link with you for a minute. You know what I mean? I know we've been talking. You know what I mean? I'm glad, you know, we finally able to make it happen. Most definitely. Hopefully it's, you know, the beginning of many. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take my glasses off early in this one, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, one thing that I see, like I said in the intro, that's what you represent for me. You mm-hmm. understand me? You have a very interesting character because in one you're a very jovial person Mm -hmm. lyrically when you think about people that are very lyrical you don't connotate gangsterism to lyrics now Mm -hmm. right it's backpack rap or it's conscious rappers but it's like anytime something when i hear you speak you like don't play with me Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it's a very matter of fact you know what i'm saying uh uh course correcting people just in case they get the message wrong Mm-hmm. You understand me? So that you're not misunderstood. And that's something I respect because that's how I grew up. That's what I see my father, my brother, and the men around me do. Right? So it lets me know you got a very strong foundation. Yeah. And then, you know, um, listening to your actual music, you know, you, you, you listening to a thinker. Right? But at the same time, a creative. Mm-hmm. I think that being a creative is something that's most of the time, especially for entertainers or just black men is that's not something we always seen as because the other personas mm-hmm. overtake that mm-hmm. but as a creator you got a certain way that you live a certain way that you think a certain way that you go about seeing feeling judging and sensing the world you understand me from your words i want to know who is royce the five nine you know what i'm saying as far as if you had to explain to you know someone who didn't know who you was at all you want to make sure that they didn't get any misconception of your character. Well, I mean, that's a that's a that's a very loaded, very <laughs> loaded question, and I I think um, no black man, especially not in this medium, should be able to just answer that. Mm. Like generally, you can't speak generally about the multiple layers of a person, not just a person, but a, a, a black man, a black person in America, especially. Like my perspective has changed so much over the years. You know what I mean? You mentioned like the creative part. I mean, at any given time during my career, what you got at that time is who I, you know, kind of like where I was at the, at the time mentally. So there was, a, there was a point in time where if you had asked me that question, I'd have told you I'm a, I'm a, I'm a self a self-professed alcoholic mm. lyricist, mm. you know. Then I went through periods of time where even my perspective on what being a lyricist is has changed. Mm. Like it was a time where lyricism was everything about me, or at least I thought it was. You know, I, I think I think it, it, there was a point in time where I even put lyricism ahead of fatherhood. Mm. Now. Now, family is more important to me than ever, but it, it doesn't mean that I, that lyricism is any less important to me. It just means that I'm evolving as a person. So it's like the more I go through, the more trial and error, the more mistakes I make, it gives me more wisdom 
You know what I mean? So now, 20 plus years in at 45 years old, it's so many things that, that, that represent me because I'm finally in a position mentally where I'm comfortable in my own skin. Like I could, I could obviously, I can honestly, brother, I can honestly say that I've arrived at a place. Mm. You know, like our whole life, we, we chasing, we chasing something. We on a journey, so to speak. But I personally feel like you have to get there. Where are you going? You have to arrive at a place. And that place, to me, is um, a place of comfort, comfortability, vulnerability. That's where all the strength is at. You know, yeah. like being able to hold yourself accountable for things, being able to, 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 to point out the role that you played and whatever, whatever, whatever went wrong. And um, having enough, enough confidence not to divide yourself up into you know, being the artist on this side and then, you know, being the father on this side, you know, like dividing those two things up. Or I'm going to be a lyricist on this when I go do the BT Cypher. And then when I do, I'm going to make this kind of song and now I'm going to be a songwriter. You know what I mean? Like Pac didn't do none of those things. He just was yeah. one thing. He was, he was one. You know what I mean? So in that one thing, I had Simba in here last night. We were talking about how, you know, he talk about one thing one minute, another thing another minute, and those two things kind of seem to contradict each other. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those aren't contradictions at all. He feels like this one day, mm -hmm. he feels like this another day. That's all of us, you know what I mean? So, so it's like when you say, who are you? It's so many things, you know right. what I mean? Like some days wake up, I'm the best rapper in the world. Some days you wake up, I don't just even want to do this shit no more. <laughs> yeah. Some days you wake up, and it's all about spending time with daughters. Mm. Some, and then, you know, I come in here, and I work in here like it's a residency, like a doctor at a residency. I stay, I'll stay here for weeks, mm. you know what I mean? Daughters be on FaceTime. Daddy, when are you coming home? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so it's like my dedicate, I'm dedicated to so many things. And I'm dedicated in every single way across the board at getting, just getting better, you know, becoming a better person, um, better than I was yesterday. And then, you know, you, you said, you said I give you like father figure kind of vibes when I'm, when I'm kind of like mentoring and, and, and I'm stepping in and, and giving my input on something and shit like that, giving my advice. Mm -hmm. I'm learning that's because I know I know what the right thing to do is. I'm I'm very conscious of what being righteous is and that's the path that I want to be on. But I'm not always as good at, at walking it as I am talking it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I can give the advice. My actions don't always align with the advice. So it's like just knowing that, just that little variable right there. It's like, how, how can I even sum, sum up who I am? You know what I mean? There's so much more to figure out. And um, I'm trying to represent as many things as I can, man. And like anything that I do, I want to put my best foot forward and I want it to be a part of legacy, you know? Like yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out cool things to do moving forward to be a part of that can go down and represent me for far longer than after I'm going to even be here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, and and try to keep my name out of as many things as possible that's going to represent me in a negative way yeah. for a long time. Even doing music now, it's taken me a minute to figure out what exactly what I'm doing musically because 
for the first time in my career, I, I actually care about what I'm saying. Mm. You know what I'm saying? What like, got you there, though? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's think probably it's just, just because I'm older. A of age and wisdom? Yeah. I mean, it, it's now more than ever, I just feel like there's a responsibility that comes along with being afforded the luxury of a platform, man. Like, so so you, you say you an uh, aspect that you care about what you say, but do you care about what people think? Because no. those two seem connected, though. I care about what people think. I think we all do, but I don't, I don't let what people think dictate anything, you know, like, but that, that all plays into what I was saying about being comfortable in your own skin. You, you gotta be okay with people not being okay with things, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, if I, the universe react, the, re, the universe responds to intent. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. I feel like intention is everything. So as long as my intention is good, however it resonates with you, it doesn't make it a misfire because you don't like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can you can process it however you like. It's unfortunate that you feel that way. It's unfortunate that you feel like it was something subliminal about it or it was something, you know what I mean? But I'm a straight shooter, you know what I mean? And I'm okay with people not liking my music. I'm okay with people not liking me. And I feel like every adult, especially black man, has to set boundaries and we all got you know we all got our limitations mine's just so happened to be don't put your hands on me and don't play with me you know what i mean don't some people play like, with me is a, is a is a is a is a statement that i feel like is of course about respect mm -hmm. how do a person know when they plan or not because i feel like i always use the analogy of if a wolf meets another wolf mm -hmm. right most of the time, a wolf can sense another wolf easy. You smell, you through sight. If a wolf needs a sheep, or if a, a sheep meets a wolf in sheep's clothing, you can't always tell. Mm -hmm. The sheep go think that the wolf is just like them because the, the, the sheep don't have senses like a wolf, so she can't smell and know when they're in danger. Mm -hmm. So when you sometimes show up as a wolf in sheep's clothing, you, you give people this, you know, um, false reality right, that they're safe playing with you. Mm -hmm. We're not knowing that we completely two different species over here, right? So how do you set that boundary to let people know, like, listen, if, if you go beyond this, what I have set based on who I am, because everybody, what they give respect and what they need to receive that respect is different mm -hmm. based on who they are, their integrity and how they grew up, mm -hmm. you know? So in, in today's age of social media and attention, People go communicate crazy because it's on the airwaves mm -hmm. where that communication is not in proximity so they feel like they can get away with more, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So how do you deal with that as far as being a man that requires his respect, requires his space, right? But dealing in a world that doesn't even really understand those commandments anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, um, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest part of that is understanding how to read the room. And when I say the room, I mean the world, because that's basically what the internet is. If you can read the room, then you have a much better understanding of what's going on. And when you, when you make a statement like, don't play with me, it don't mean you gotta take yourself so serious. Yeah. And it also, it also, um, you gotta have an understanding of, of which, what you're being judged against in comparison to, in contrast to. There's a lot of people who like to play. Mm. 
There's a lot of people who, who build whole brands off playing. Rappers don't necessarily have the, be the best rep like reputation, yeah. you know what I mean? So I understand that. And I also understand that right now, I'm at a point in my life where the, the, big, the biggest challenges are like building relationships with people who you wouldn't, who you wouldn't otherwise ha have a relationship with or mm -hmm. you wouldn't otherwise connect with unless there was some common denominator like music that would bring that would bring you together but in my in my journey I've, I've learned that if you can figure out a way to build a relationship with somebody that's not necessarily like you you can be like-minded in different ways but it, it, it can be somebody who you wouldn't otherwise hang with if this was like high school or something like that you can build a relationship with that person you can do great things in this business you know what i mean when you surround yourself with people who are just exactly like you or like-minded in all of those kinds of ways, then you find yourself in a box around right. a bunch of people that's just Validate that are just in boxes. So when you start when you start being up for that kind of a challenge, because I think it take it take it take courage and strength to be even be up for that for mm -hmm. that, because it's it's not a safe it's not a safe place. You gotta you gotta come out of your comfort zone a little bit. And when you come out of your comfort zone and you open yourself up to that, you opening yourself up for compromise on some mm. on some level. So I never really been I've never really taken myself so serious to where if you cross my boundary and you wasn't aware of my boundary, if I never told you about right. my boundary and you cross it, how can I how can I well I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use a term, but this is for lack of a better term, how can I discipline you? based off of something that you didn't know yeah so yeah. like part part of building a relationship i feel like is is we teach each other how to treat each other because mm. you what what you feel is crossing the line may not be the same as what i feel is crossing the line you know what i mean like i was trying to build a relationship with a brother i'm not gonna say his name because i don't even want to go down that path but um my thing with him was i don't like people raising their voice at me when, mm -hmm. we're, when we're like we engage in the discourse, raising your voice. That's that's a. I don't know if it's a trigger for me, but that's that's a that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah, same. Like let's not let's. Nobody in my life yells at me. I don't yell at anybody <laughs> yeah. in my life, and I want to keep it that way. I don't know why that is, because some people are completely comfortable with shouting. You know what I mean? So my well, thing is, black man, we don't like authority anyway. So a person shouting is automatically putting themselves in a the place of authority. Yeah, and I and I just think, especially shouting on 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 a public platform. Um, and, and that's not necessarily the nature of your relationship. It's, it's giving, it's sending off the wrong signal. And um, I just like to keep everything exactly like what our relationship, when this camera go off, how we would talk to each other, when the camera come on, mm -hmm. I, I want to talk to each other yeah. the same way. So my thing is. Well, so, let me, so what do you think? Because I think what, what the bigger thing, I think there's a lot of men, males rather, that find themselves doing sucker shit but don't know how not to be a sucker. Mm. And I think that's probably one of the bigger things because, you know, when you get caught up in this attention society, the rules change, mm -hmm. you think it's normal. Then you have certain men who grew up with, let's just say old school principles mm -hmm. because it ain't new school because this shit done changed. So then, you know, you doing what's normally accepted in common society, mm -hmm. right? Then you want it run into one of those that's like, nah, this is not how it go around me, though. Mm -hmm. You feel me? It's like a, a, a black person having a white friend that say nigga all day long. Mm -hmm. Then 
they run into somebody they, they in a room with and they hear them say it like, what you just say? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now it's an issue and a problem because they feel slighted and disrespected. So what are some of the tenets that, you know, somebody who, who, who feel like I want to be more of a man like Royce. I want to be more of a man like Keys and them, but I don't have a man that's teaching me those type of rules of how to deal with other men in those situations. Mm -hmm. Right. Like my father taught me the proper handling of people at an early age. Mm -hmm. You dig? So there's certain things that I'm <clears> never going to do unless I'm intentionally trying to be disrespectful to push your button on purpose. Right. Right. Which is not my character, but I'm saying like I would know how to go there. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's men who may know or may not know where they're doing things that has to be taken as disrespect and they don't realize because they have people whose bar is set so low for respect. Mm -hmm. You know, like you go to different places, you in New Orleans, they call each other bitch. Mm -hmm. In Oakland, you say that, you know, you can get killed for it. Right. You dig? So different boundaries for different places, different people. So how does a man live by a certain golden rule, you know, to establish getting respect and giving respect? I mean, it Exactly what you just said, though, like having that kind of understanding that there's different ways that people carry themselves in different facets and different parts of the world. You know, if you're an Oakland guy and you you in New Orleans and um, the natives are talking to you, how the natives talk. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect opportunity. That's a teachable moment right. to me. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not a moment. That's not wartime. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that's an opportunity. <laughs> That's an opportunity to understand each other, and that's power. Yeah, I, can, I would just imagine in that scenario of yeah. talking to somebody, say, "What up, bitch?" And you like, "Yeah, you can't you you can't go around the world disciplining everybody." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you know, you're not gonna go around the world and be everybody's doormat neither. And, right. And, and please believe, man. Like we all know, all of us real ones know that you know there's different dialect, there's different ways that we speak around the world. But we all we all have a general understanding of respect of what respect is. Mm -hmm. And I think I think the more that we go through, the more d the different kinds of relationships that we go in and out of, we um we de we develop a, a better and better judge of character each time. And you know when you're dealing with somebody who you Not know if you you know if you're actually teaching them and then it, if it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this person think I'm gonna just hold his hand and walk him through how to respect somebody. It's like, bro, we see there are people in the game right now. I don't need to say their names. There's a few people in the game right now that culturally across the board, people don't play with. Mm -hmm. No matter how they talk from where they're from, That's no matter how, they just know not to play with them because maybe it's something that these individuals may have done action-wise right. that set a precedence. So what does that teach us? That teaches us that, that respect is a, is a universal thing. People will push the boundary. You know, some white people will push the boundary to see how far they can go. But if it's, if you got one black friend who allow you to say the N-word, you're a smart guy. You, you, know, you know that that don't mean that it's cool to go across right. the board and say it. And if somebody checks you on it and you appear to be so confused, it's only but so much that I'm gonna even believe that you don't understand yeah, that's why, that's, why that's inappropriate, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's when people try to test things, yeah. test the waters. Yeah, and when, I, and when I feel like it's that type of situation, that's when I digress out of the conversation. I'm not interested in, I'm not teaching, teaching you, you want me to teach you how to be an adult? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, we're not the only group of people that has like words that is a hands-off thing, you know what that's I mean? Like we. 
shit, we got to a point where all, all we can do is colloquialize words, you know what I'm saying? Like to, to, to empower ourselves in our, in our own kind of like little way. So it's just like, man. And a lot of this, this communication was meant to be between each other. Yeah. So when it was started in the streets, we wasn't thinking about saying it on platforms. Mm -hmm. It was it was because this is how we go communicate in the streets, in the hoods, in the ghettos of America, dealing with each other when we got a commonality. You understand me? And it, it, it's our code. So when one person speaks that language, oh, they are part of the same code. They are part mm -hmm. of the same tribe. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, hip hop takes it and embeds it into entertainment. And now it's culturally thrown and it's sold. So now the people that buy it say, well, why can't I repeat what's sold to me? I bought this. Mm -hmm. So they, a lot of white people feel like I bought the, the N-word. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Y'all sold it to me. I bought it. How come I can't repeat, you understand me, the energy that I bought? If y'all didn't want it sold and said, why did you sell me the nigga? Well, I believe they should be able to say it. Why they in the cars driving, listening yeah. to it? <laughs> um, why they listening to it? Somebody go clip it up right there at that part. Yeah. Yes, that's the end of yeah. it. They, they ain't gonna get to the car part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, say say it say it with impunity, you know, in your own you know little world. But just be respectful. You ever slap somebody for saying it before? I actually have. Okay. Yeah, I actually have. It actually was a slap. Is it too. therapeutic? Um, damn, was it therapeutic? Yeah. Find those type of I those mean, type of things to be therapeutic when they happen. Because I, I don't really look at it. I don't really. <laughs> I don't really look at the slap <laughs> like violence, man. Like I, nah. I look at it like that's like a form of communication. Sometimes, sometimes when we use our words, <laughs> I'm serious, man. Like sometimes we use our words, and that's not enough. That's not enough to cut through. Sometimes you gotta use body language. Sometimes you yeah. you got to use physical language because that's that's a form of communication that's a fact. that sometimes only people only understand that it's like know? a wake up call. I gotta you know what I mean you sometimes for a sometimes second. it's energy sometimes yeah. it's just some somebody's energy and it resonates. Sometimes people need like a little bit of slap. My dad taught me that super early. I learned my I learned respect in the household. My yeah. father we'd be having a funny conversation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just get beside myself just yeah. a little bit. Next thing you know, wah -pah! It's funny because my pops was like, he was like, so you would see him, he'd be always serious. Then out of nowhere, he'd crack a joke. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It'd be, and it'd be so funny because, you know, when it's somebody that's always serious, mm -hmm. then he'd just see something. He'd just make everybody laugh. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that joke is over, you go back to seeing him as the stern man mm -hmm. as he is. Mm -hmm. So it was never like, oh, this is just cool to play with him because it was the playtime was always the one percent. Mm -hmm. Everything else is like, this is who I am, 99. You understand me? So if you catch me on some chill, then that's what we doing. Mm -hmm. But right after that, go back to my 99. All on his terms. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, but you got to, you know, I was always taught too much playing is no good. You dig? Because you set that precedence for people to play with you like that. Mm -hmm. So if like if you always on goofy time, now somebody acting goofy with you, but you saying, well, I'm not on that time. Well, how they know? Right? Because 50 or 60% of the time you playing. Mm -hmm. The 40% now you want to switch up. So you give people the wrong expectation when your character, your, your main character, who, however you want to project yourself, that's who you should be for real. Because mm -hmm. people going to treat you as you are. Yeah. Because if you take yourself more serious than has the world perceives you, then they go play with you. Mm -hmm. Because some people, like, you know, in hip-hop, everybody said they're a gangster, but if you get around a person, it's like, that's not the energy that's communicated to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to deal with you based on your energy, not the perception that you're selling. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what happens as well in the streets. And that's just what happened in society, period, is that people think that like it's like a, a woman with a filter on Instagram. 
in person, a person going to treat you as beautiful as they see you, mm -hmm. right? But on Instagram, you may get a million likes for a picture that has a filter and you got makeup on, so you want that same perception in reality. Mm -hmm. It don't work like that. Yeah, I mean, when you present, when you present, when you portray an image and a character to the world, I can only imagine the kind of pressure that that, that one could be under, feeling like that they have to live up to that right. at all times. So, like, my perception of a gangster or like a tough guy was never somebody who, would probably because I grew up, I grew up boxing, so like. I don't necessarily look at fighting as like violence. I look mm. at it more like contact. It's mm. more of a sport, a sport to me. So like my uncle was a pro fighter. So he always taught us, you never want to be mad when you fight. Right. You want to be relaxed and calm. So I don't have to be angry to put my hands on somebody. So I said that to say, when I'm around somebody, I never looked at tough guys my picture of a tough guy was never somebody who just acting tough all the time. Whenever I seen guys acting like that and feeling like they needed to carry themselves like that all the time, I always thought it, it was it was something. Right. Like it's something For up. Sure. Like, like if you if you if you talking to somebody and, and all you hear is, because I'm solid, man. I'm solid. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm solid. I'm real. I'm solid. I'm solid. I'm real. I'm real. I'm solid. And it's yeah. just like they trying to convince themselves. Yeah. It's like it's like. You wouldn't have to say all of that, right. though. You know what I mean? And that's the only thing that made me question it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Plus, you could be tough but not dangerous. Yeah. You understand me? Like, the analogy of boxing, you can take the average person and teach them boxing, and they're going to be able to beat a percentage of the world just based on having that skill. Mm -hmm. But it don't mean they tough. It means they just learn something and they can apply it. You understand me? But they may not be able to go through the same thing as somebody that grew up in an impoverished environment or went through jail or been through different situations, they might not be as tough as that person, but they can be more skilled, which makes them more dangerous as well, right? And so it's that whole dichotomy of a person feeling like they got to, you know, add on this, this hyper extension of their character at all times and be seen this way, and it could be a lack of your actual skill sets. It's always a lack of something. It's, to me, in my mind, it's always a lack of something. When I'm dealing with somebody and they're making me feel like that they're micromanaging my expectations of them, that's weakness. Yeah. That's weakness to me. People who are comfortable in their skin and are like kind to others, to me it's just like that's that's a person who's not who's okay with you thinking whatever you want about them. You know what I'm saying? You think you can think whatever you want, I'm gonna be kind to others, but then it, there's that switch. And then, you know, once the, once the switch happens. Yeah. Which city you think produced the most dangerous rappers throughout history? Dangerous in what dangerous way? Dangerous in the way that they was actually respected for being who they were. Respected for being who they were in the realm of what? Like, you talking about street shit? Or, streets or? and when it came to their music. Um, what city produces the most dangerous? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, because you can you can name people from from everywhere, but um, not even city. It's say state there. Um, you you got New York got to be one of them because I mean New York, New York is you know they they the originators. Mm. But then I know, but we all got them. I mean, even if you go out west, if you go out west, then you got to separate the bay. All right, check this out. Here's a question. What have you always wanted to try? 
Gold Peak Real Brewed is here to unleash your thirst for trying. So take this as your sign to say yes. Opt in. Go for it. Because trying is what life is all about. Try Gold Peak. From yeah. just L.A. You know what I mean? But L.A. had, you know, Cube, Snoop, the whole N.W.A., that whole movement. That was, you know, that was a whole plethora of, of like, yeah. real men. You know what I mean? Like, real men who had something to say in a major way. You know what I mean? And, like, use their authority, their aggression, and they figured out a way to apply it to the culture to move it forward and be progressive. You know, like, when I think about guys like Snoop, Jay-Z, these are guys who they showed you so many layers of themselves over the years and they showed you so many redeeming qualities about themselves as they as they grew. But it was a natural progression. Not everybody comes right into the game like Chuck D. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was in a he was a, a, at an elevated level of consciousness at an early age. Right. That's like not something that so you like, see often. What what what's the difference between like you got drill rap music now and then gangster music as it came out in like the nineties and stuff? What cause cause you know, both of them is projecting a particular type of energy, but what's the differences that you see for this new age drill music, you understand me, and then the classic gangster music? Well, if I can just be totally honest, yeah. I feel like that the gangster music and I, I, I don't wanna sound like a old a old head, but um the gangster rap, to me, on the highest level of gangster rap, I'm talking about N.W.A., I'm talking about Ice Cube, Death Certificate, those kind of albums. They were, they were young, young guys painting you a picture and making you aware of the things that they were concerned about in their communities mm -hmm. that weren't being addressed. They were giving a voice to the kids in underserved communities who didn't have a voice. This is what's going on in Cali. This is why I hate the police. Fuck mm. the police because they're doing this, they're doing that. It was it was more of a political statement, and it was more of a, a of young people liberating young people. But the message that they were getting across and the pictures that they were painting, it was very easy for somebody to take that and and process it as glorifying, glorifying violence, mm. glorifying negativity. And um, young black people using it as a tool to spark more bullshit. I get why people looked at it like that, but I personally didn't process it like that. And I think um, the way that I processed it and the way that it ended up turning out, looking at it in retrospect, I must say I was right. Look at what Ice Cube has grown to become. Look what Snoop has grown to become. Look what Dr. Dre has grown to become. Now, fast forward and you... And you compare that in contrast to, to drill rap. Drill rap to me um, is none of those things. Dr drill rap to me is the glorification of street violence that existed before these guys even decided to even rap. But wouldn't they be children and products of the gangster rap oh, absolutely. itself in just absolutely. a degraded way? Because the continent has faded over time. Listen, that's not an indictment. Yeah. That's not an indictment on them because no, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not against drill rap. I like drill rap. But you asked me to compare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sir. know what I mean? So so I'm 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 looking at what they're doing. Um this is the first this is the first time um in history. Could, could they become Jay Z's and Absolutely. 
Because it's like, when I look at, because that statement can be seen in a lot of different ways, right? So if I look at gangster rap, do we, because I know for a fact in the black community, once you become successful, whatever you did was okay, mm -hmm. right? It's like Kanye West can't do no wrong because he's richer than everybody. Mm -hmm. You understand me? As a billionaire, what we, what we look at as, you know, the highest level is money. Right, so if you got the most money in the culture, you can't do no wrong, and nobody who has less money can tell you anything. He recently said that statement, like, <laughs> "Why well, listen to somebody poorer than me?" Right, and in hip hop, that you can't get no more boasting and say I'm richer than everybody in the culture. You know, um, you know, hold the people that have a certain level of access still to as human accountability. Mm -hmm. You understand me? We feel like that overrides anything that they've done. So it's like. You can build a foundation on the backs of, let's say, negativity, right? Mm -hmm. But as long as you get to a point where, listen, I've transcended that now, so does my past matter, right? So, like, I, I, I want to do a great sit-down with Ice Cube because there's a lot of different things to talk about. When people talk about Ice Cube and Ice-T as being, like, the most prolific gangster rappers to say, fuck the police. Mm -hmm. But then both of them went on to play cops, mm -hmm. right? So it's a completely 360 from what they was putting out, right? So was it... A rejection of the energy that they was putting out and then you know they changed because it was too powerful right because that particular energy was about it was a political statement it was against the system the governments didn't like that the politicians didn't like that mm -hmm. right but then the politics left gangster rap and then it was just street right so the street business and then turn into pimping right and then you have all of these other different iterations of rap music that came about and today when we see these people 10, 20, 30 years later and they're successful billionaires, right, there's no way to judge or to measure the effects, right, of their career because now they've transcended the things that they used to do, mm -hmm. right? And to some point, a lot of them haven't because you still talk about the same, you know, things that you've done in the streets to remind people, like, not play with me, right, because right? this is what I come from. So it's like in our culture, we had glorified selling drugs for 50 years, and never give up on it. You dig? You ain't touched the Pyrex and you don't know the prices of the new drugs that's on the street. But it's still gonna be embedded in that because we know that that's the part that's culture. And then you wrap that around and try to get some intellect and a message in it. Right? So, like Jay Z, he gonna put a message in it. But before the message come, like, yo, I used to sell drugs. Mm -hmm. Now let me give y'all a message. Right. So, I'm you. Now let me tell you where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Right? So, it's like, Hip hop can never be seen as one way or never judged in one way. So it's like, but with these drill rappers, they saying, well, they could be saying, well, let me go through that same process that y'all went through to get to y'all success. Because mm -hmm. you may look at us in today's time and the effect that it has and this blast that's on social media has real impact in the streets. But it's like every era had that same impact. You understand me? Uh, 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 West Coast meets East Coast. You feel me? That whole warfare between Pac and Biggie and everything that spilled from that and all of the different, you know, you 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 got, you know, for 50 and Jai. And so now these new kids is like, bro, we ain't doing nothing new. Mm -hmm. We actually taking y'all blueprint and this is how we would use y'all blueprint in today's time because this is what works for us. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So I, I, it's hard to even have an indictment on a person's actions now besides the fact that we now have consciousness. Well, not even consciousness. We have the ability to reflect on what was done. There wasn't a, a gangster rapper, Ice Cube in them. There wasn't gangster rappers before them to mm -hmm. be like, yo, this is what happened. So we not going to do that. 
Yeah, I think that, and I think that's that's not to cut you off, but I think that's the reason why. Um, that's the reason why we can hold we can hold them to a higher standard. Mm. You know, like Ice Cube and Ice T and those guys. We got to keep in mind that they weren't making the statements that they were making to be famous or mm. to be on the radio. They were doing it, Uncle Luke. Yeah. They were doing it. They were stepping up and being outspoken because they didn't want anybody to violate their First Amendment right, freedom of speech. You trying to tell us how to speak? Mm-hmm. You trying to you trying to ban ban my music? You know, banned in the USA. I should be able to do whatever I want to do. And you know, they took it to the Donahue show, the Oprah. You know, like Ice T had a song called "Cop Killer," which was a song about killing a cop because he was tired of cops killing our kids. And we go through the same, we got the same problems today. Nothing has changed on that side, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But Ice Cube, they tried to ban the song, they tried to ban him. They had police sitting out on the corner in front of his house. They, you know, they used to follow him around. He put his life on the line, mm-hmm. you know, to, 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 to stand up for his First Amendment right and not let them violate that. And um, I just feel like when you're talking about culture and you're talking about creativity, when when people are the front runners of making that kind of kind of a stance, they're opening up doors for you, the future guys coming. Mm. So now everybody has a platform and everybody can say whatever they pretty much whatever they want to say without even really being questioned about it. Mm. And it seems like we have less to say now than we did back then. You know what I mean? So it's almost it's almost incomparable gangster rap of then drill rap of now mm-hmm. they're not yeah different eras it's, it's not the, it's not the same thing because now that we had the internet we, we we're mo- more privy to the things that are going on in the jungles in these different areas that we didn't really even know about before so gang gang wars in chicago is different from gang wars in 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 la mm-hmm. it's just different you know what i'm saying so and then Artistry is different. All of these guys just making drill records, they're not all artists. Some of them are just gangsters making rap songs that's about the work about the work that they're putting in. You know what I mean? So that's never gonna be okay. But but that's not for everybody to understand. You can't yeah. expect to be able to wrap your brain around something that you if you're not from that or or, or you're not it's not close enough in proximity to you for you to really be able to put a finger on what it must feel like to be one of those babies in those environments. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in the environment, you're going to do as the environment does. If the environment is speaking the gun language and that's the language you need to speak in order to, su- to survive, then you're an instant killer. And that's not you don't have a choice. Right. You know, and, and it's like it's like it's like that with a lot of guys who um, who fell into the into the drug game as well. Like, how many years have we been saying, yo, I didn't have a choice. I didn't have an option. People don't want to hear that when they have options mm-hmm. because they can't understand. They can't ascertain it. They can't wrap their brain around what it must feel like to be a kid from these environments. And, and the only clear pathway that you see in your mind out of this environment that you didn't choose to be in. And let's keep in mind, these environments that I'm talking about, these underserved communities are created. Fact. It's not like what what about now though where all right so a person can say well we got the internet now right mm-hmm. so 
You know, if you look at statistics from, they say an average rapper makes around $70,000 a year, right? As, as, and I'm not sure exactly where they metrics is from, but I guess they just looking at, you know, what people is fouling, what they making, those who consider themselves to be rappers. Probably not even doing that. Yeah, mm -hmm. most people not doing that. So let's say that, you know, a person want to be a rapper, a young kid want to be a rapper because they thinking they going to be Drake. They thinking they going to be Future mm -hmm. and Jay-Z, right? They thinking they going to be Royce. They going to get this, this bag. But the reality of it is, is that the average rapper ain't making nowhere near that kind of money. So then you start to say, well, listen, you can be a TikToker and make more money than a rapper. You did? Mm -hmm. Really, they become the same thing because it becomes about attention and it's about money. Rappers want nothing but clout and money. The new paradigm for capitalism is if you can get attention, you can leverage that to get money, right? There's a million different ways to make money nowadays, so it's like your, your exposure is way more expensive than your environment now. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, you grow up in the hood and all you see is a drug dealer running down the street, I mean, rolling down the street, he got his car, he got the money, he got the change, he got the women, then, of course, in your environment, that looks way better than McDonald's or working at White Castles or whatever other spot. So... There's no way you choosing that over this glorified life. Mm -hmm. But when you got the internet, man, wait a minute. There's hella ways to make money. I just mm -hmm. got to choose one. Mm -hmm. But the, the problem is, is that, you know, was what even when people in today's time, we got all these different ways to make money, they not glorify, right, in the same way. And that's through media because, you know, media is connected to the music companies and different things of that nature. So, mm -hmm. of course, you know, those who put out the bullshit, they go get the looks. They got money behind them. So you thinking that this is success, this is what success looks like. Because not only do they want money, they want the attention. Mm -hmm. So if the guy that drives the truck, the guy that does real estate, the guy that does credit, the guy that does, you know, tech or coding, if they still not getting the looks, the women not looking at them, then they don't look at those as glorified options. Mm -hmm. They options, but it don't come with the clout. Yeah. You understand me? And I think that that's that's the change and the difference, but at the same time, young, young people just got to know, not even young people, just people presently just got to know the options have changed. Yeah, you can live a way better lifestyle, you know, picking a different option than trying to be a rapper. And you can still be a rapper if that's your passion, but when it comes to actually making money, it's a million more ways that's more effective. Well, my answer to that or my theory on that is, is I think they may, there may be too many options out there now. Mm. because of the internet. Yo, I'm Big Keys, man. We doing blockchain things over here at the Block World Order. We learned about cryptocurrency, how to trade it, how to buy it, how to sell it. What are the strategies that we need to jump in and out? We're getting signals for trading. We're learning about NFTs, how to build them, how to utilize them in your business. We learned about STBs, soulbound tokens. We learned about DAOs, the future of businesses, organizations, institutions. We learned about blockchain technology. All of these great concepts that you're hearing about in the world, the metaverse, this gaming. We actually gonna learn how to build it. We're gonna learn everything about it from the basics to the masterful side of it. Right. Once you join Block World Order, you will now be a part of a community that will be working to build out the future. Not only are we going to be learning how to build it out, but how to take advantage and gain wealth within it. During these uncertain times, you cannot be without the skill sets of the future. Make sure you tap into the Block World Order, because not only are we learning technology, but we're learning you. That's right. I said you. We're learning how you can take your mind and you can increase your intelligence by learning these new learning skills, learning how to hack the human mind, learning how to become a better version of yourself, 
by understanding your multidimensional capacity. How to go from being nothing to empty your mind to where you can tap into new skill sets and start learning 30 to 40% better to where you can have increased confidence, increased focus. We don't just want you to learn blockchain technology. We want you to learn yourself. Make sure you tap into the block world order. There's a new world and a new you way. And I think um, knowledge and information to me is to be pursued. I don't know. I, I don't know um, if if knowledge being at the end of your fingertips, twenty four hours a day, is having the the best effect on the community. Because number one, you don't really know what's attainable and what's not. You see all of these things in front of you. You see, and no matter what these options are. These real estate guys, all of them are going to tell you that they're rich. They're going to tell yeah. you that they're making all kinds of money. So it looked like a great option. It's, it's something that, that people would definitely want to get into, but how would they know how to do that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the education and the work ethic. Yeah, yeah. I think most people don't, don't know how to learn, and they're lazy. So we try to go for the, the most microwavable option as possible. Yeah, or, or, the, or the option that that you see that you can probably flesh out. So so with rapping, shit, that's an inbox in the microphone. Mm. In your in your in your project apartment. So, I mean, you can start there and you can upload a song. I mean, anybody can do that and that's what they're doing. Now in turn real estate and shit like that, you're gonna look at it like, well I don't know how to do that. So the first the first time I get my hands on some money, maybe I'll get into that. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, there's books and stuff that you can read, but we haven't been programmed to, to, to do that. I mean, we, we still evolving from not being allowed to learn how to read. You know what I mean? So, of course, our study habits are not going to be up to par. But, but, okay, so let me be God's advocate on that. Because we at this point in time, where now we got a lot of platforms. We got a lot of media. Mm -hmm. Those of us who have found themselves with some success and have a platform, don't always utilize their platform to show different options. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to put it in the music, it's another thing to put resources behind it. Mm -hmm. You dig? And I think that that's what's wholly missing the most part, is that there are people who have, you know, you got Google University, you got YouTube University, a lot of people who just learn a lot of stuff on that. And that just goes to the mindset. I think the mindset is just, is missing nowadays. Mm -hmm. Because a man is his mentality. So a man got ambition, he gonna go out there and get it regardless of excuse or regardless of issue. Yeah. So I, I never like validating people's excuses because they got enough ways that they go figure out a way to validate it. No, we can't we can't you validate. But like we can't we can't we definitely can't validate their excuses. But But like you you had a song where you put Dare Grace on a song, Rizzo mm -hmm. Islam on a song. Mm -hmm. I feel like that and I remember I was talking to Mr. Fab about this. One, my first high-level conversation I ever did was with Mr. Fab in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about what happens when the thought leaders and the rappers get together. I seen something dope. Royster 5'9", he shouted out, Derek Grace and Rizzo Islam. Derek Grace. So you ever seen a guy kind of heavy set okay? with the tattoo? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I reached out to him and just thanked him and was like, yo, man, you inspired me to look for those teachable moments with my kids. And... This to me, I, we be letting moments pass, like this ain't the perfect way we supposed to be moving with each other. So what I looked at that, he said on the album, he said, look, the way y'all use y'all platforms allow me, and speaking truth and everything, allow me to use my platform like this. Right. So it opened that door for him. 
And I always talked about how there's going to be a time where the rappers and the thought leaders, they merge together. Because a rapper might not want to do all talking super high intellectual all the time. But if he are, if, it, if that's what he engaged with and that's what his mind is tapping into, that's selfish for him not lead his audience in that direction. Definitely. And the thesis was the fact that y'all have the intention, right? And then over here, here's the intellect, the knowledge, possibly the education and skills. And if you marry those together, you understand me, then you got a winning formula. Mm -hmm. And so when I seen you do that, I said, okay, this is the first time I see somebody acknowledging this side of the world mm -hmm. and then giving attention to it. So it's things like that to where, you know, I see rappers and comedians connect together because they can share audiences. But now we're in this new phase where, you know, the entertainers and the thought leaders can combine and connect together if you have one of those you know, uh, mindsets to where you feel like you want to project something good to your people. Mm -hmm. So now it shows the option to be like, damn, I could be a thought leader and stand, and, and stand next to a rapper and get the same kind of looks. It, for a young child growing up, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. He got money, he got money. He got fame, he got fame. You know what I'm saying? He do business, he do business. You dig? So I think a lot of it is on, on us as a culture, the onus is on us as a culture to be like, all right, what am I actually projecting? Who am I actually pushing up from this generation? Mm -hmm. and, and it got to be something based on what you want to see, because there's always somebody doing it. They just mm -hmm. don't have a platform like you. Yeah, some, somebody like myself. You mentioned um, Derek and Reza. Mm -hmm. Like their, their words and their movements and stuff started resonating with me at a certain point. But there was a point prior to that where I, I wouldn't even pay anything like that any attention. Right. You know, so... Because of shit like that is the reason why I try not to, I try not to be too judgmental of the youngins, because I I do believe that timing is everything, and there comes a point in time we all have breakthrough breakthrough moments, spiritual awakenings. You know, we keep doing our part and pushing with the information. Mm -hmm. At some point, hopefully, it resonates with with one of them at the right time where one of them has a breakthrough and they start to change and they start to get confident enough to be okay with evolving. You mm -hmm. know, like I remember being in class as a kid and not wanting to raise my hand. I know the answer to something. I don't want to raise my hand because I don't want to look like a nerd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to admit that I'm I'm understanding this like like nothing. You know, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather wait until it's something I can't understand and then be kind of vocal about that because I don't want to you know, fitting in was more important to me than actually, you yeah. know, like taking in the information. And I think if you, and this is pre-internet, so it, you can only imagine now fitting in is even more the caveat to the kids. Fitting in, fitting in is like, that's like the number one thing. Nobody yeah. wants to be looked at as like the, um, the standout or the weird kid over there who's not like everybody else. So you, you literally talking about people who go to the internet to find out what what to like, mm. what should I be liking this week? You know what I mean? Like you literally have more casual fanfare now than you've ever had before, and on top of having more niche audience and nuances than yeah. than, than ever before. And, and it's funny that niche audience. I was at uh, Empire. Um, they had one of those brunches, right? And I had just interviewed Money Man at BT, and I went to their thing. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting towards the front, chilling, fly as hell, you know what I'm saying? And all of the rappers that was coming in, they would stop and they'd greet and then we'd speak. 
I was talking to a rapper, a street rapper, right? And he, and he was explaining to me, just kind of, I'm getting the same sentiment from everybody else. It's like, man, they listen to the high level conversations. They love what we do with the platform. And they like, basically, you know, we stuck doing this rap shit, this gangster rap shit, but we really want to be able to transition over and do something different. But it's hard for them to jump into a new fan base. Yeah. You understand me? Because they built a platform on this vertical, right, of, of street rap. So I'm seeing a change where Cash is getting this exposure, it's expanding their mind, right, of what they're seeing that's out there, and they feel bad for putting out the music that they're putting out because now they're more aware of the effect that it's having. They shouldn't. They shouldn't feel bad about that. Why know? not? Because, man, it's like... But that's that's a human Yeah, you got you to... You got you to you um, first establish the platform. Uh-huh. And then you got to put out the music, you got to put out the messaging, and then when you, when you get the response, then you start to have an understanding of how important your words are. After you see the effect that it's having on people. Like I never was going to talk about sobriety in my raps. I was going to keep that a secret because I was worried about my audience prior to how, that, how they would receive that. But then I don't know what happened. I ended up talking about it in my music. And once I seen the way that it was helping people, it gave me a whole different, a whole different perspective mm. on it. And as I grew and as I started to pay attention to, to my platform, especially with the Internet, where you can actually read how people feel about things in real time yeah. in the comment section, yeah. then you start to realize, oh, shit, I'm not just a rapper. Yo, I have a, this shit comes with a responsibility. Mm -hmm. This is like because all the way up into this point, we've been made to feel like every other kid in the ghetto with a dollar in his pocket. My dollar ain't worth shit. You know what I'm saying? Like my dollar is not as valuable as Jay-Z's dollar because he's inside of that TV screen. He made it to the other side of the TV screen. I'm just here with no voice. Yeah. I have no concept of my dollar alongside of everybody else's dollar in the community and how powerful that can be if we can control the circulation of that. But we haven't yet gotten to a point where we can actually place that kind of perspective on it. You know what I mean? So certain things have to happen in order for you to get to that point. And then once you get to that point, now you have an understanding of, damn, I can actually make a change because this entire time we've always loved peace. Mm -hmm. Bust a nigga head tomorrow. It don't mean it don't mean that I don't love my brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't expect people to understand that. I know you understand it, but I don't expect everybody to understand that. And I don't think that's for everybody to understand. I think everybody's asking a whole lot of questions. And because us as artists are made to feel beholden to the people. We feel like that we got to provide answers to things that there may not even be answers for. Cause well, artists got artists have more power. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times than politicians. Yes. So once your position supersedes people that's supposed to be in positions of role modeling power, then it that onus is on you. Yeah. I know you didn't know how powerful you was, but we're trying to tell you how powerful you are. Yeah, it's not your choice. Like yeah. you don't get to choose whether you're a role model. Or yeah. I always say all rappers are role models, just some of them not good at it. Yeah, because, because once you garner that attention and you got influence, right, then people are going to model themselves after the role that you playing. It's like being anointed and saying, no, I'm good on that. Yeah. I'm good on the whole anointed yeah. part. Let me just make my music. 
and you know whatever comes from it comes from it and those people eventually fall off yeah i mean we've seen it i said i think it was recently even cardi b was saying that how you know she didn't she didn't want certain lyrics in her song she didn't want to mm -hmm. rap a certain way anymore right yeah. we've seen young thug say the same thing that he ain't want to you know present himself a certain way because his son was watching and we heard young thug say the opposite mm -hmm. prior to mm -hmm. You put a you put a mic in his face and it's like yo don't talk to me about none of that yeah. Reverend Al Sharpton shit. Uh, yeah. uh, talk to them activist niggas about that. Uh, Mike Brown, the Ferguson situation. Do you what do you think needs to be changed in the way that black men are policed in America? Lead that up with the critics and the laws and all that old shit. We having fun. We iced out. We having money. That's how we doing it. And then he seen the backlash that he got from that, and he started to. Uh, achieve more success then he he started he started having a breakthrough he started talking different he started dressing different mm -hmm. he quit doing the dresses and all of that shit because he because he seen the effect that it was having I, right i wish i wish the brother could have had a breakthrough even sooner than that to avoid the indictment because ultimately that's where it's, it, it goes it goes right. there or it goes to god forbid the graveyard mm -hmm. you know what i mean those are the two pathways but um i think he's a great case study he's yeah. a great He's a great artist to look at who we saw evolve. First of all, we all love evolution, whether we know how to articulate that or not. Like we we love every single part of the growth. We love the the lowest level of you if you can figure out a, 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 a cool way to do it to express like the necessary ignorance, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and then somehow grow from that and then grow from that, and then now you present yourself like a straight up grown man, and we feel like we've grown with you the whole time, that's a great yeah. thing. I think, yeah, I think that's the key. I think we love evolution. You know what I'm saying? It's like an upgrade. It's Redeem like you it. get an iPhone, you start off with one, then it upgrades over time. Redeem it, yeah. I think sometimes when you, when you try to skip that step, you feel like something completely different than what we used to. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a gradual evolution so people can go on that journey with you. They can respect it. They can see the steps. They understand why you got here. Now they have an expectation for you to grow. And once you meet that expectation, they happy for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, being a, you know, and... and, and I think it was 21 Savage that talked about how rappers don't get the ability to just be entertainers. They have to be taken serious, mm -hmm. right? Do, do you, now, do you think that that's on the rapper or do you think that that's on the fan? Because, you know, the comparison was like, you know, Scarf or uh, Al Pacino, you know, doesn't get to be seen as a gangster. He gets to walk around. He's, he don't have expectations of being tough, while a rapper has complete expectations of being tough and got to protect himself after he entertains the crowd about gangster stories and rap and persona? Well, I mean, it'd be very difficult to compare those two things, you know, because Al Pacino has, and this is respectfully, of course, I love 21 Savage, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Al Pacino never presented himself to us as a gangster as himself. Mm. He never said, yo, I'm Al Pacino the gangster. You know, he's done he's done an amazing job playing a gangster in particular roles where you damn near felt like that was him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, you know, when he goes back to his regular life, he's going back to his regular life. He's played many, many characters, not just gangsters. Right. Now, on the rap side of it, hip hop itself is 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 built. The foundation of hip hop is authenticity. You know, so um, anything that comes off. Mm. In the hip hop medium, as anything other than authentic, it doesn't translate well. So, um, 
we usually rally behind people who present something to us and we believe them. If we believe you, then yeah, it's a letdown if we find out right. that you're something different and you were just marketing to us. <laughs> right, we got to People don't like to, I don't, I don't think people like to be marketed to. Yeah, we don't like to be fooled. Yeah, so you it's like, it, it, so it's like, it's not, it's not pressure unless, unless you are manipulating the people. Right. You know, but it, it shouldn't be any pressure to just be yourself, and, and and you can, you can express different layers of yourself, and then there may be certain layers of yourself that you haven't expressed. People may not know that you like having ice cream with your kids at two at yeah. two p.m. I mean, cutest. But that's that's becoming more. I I remember what rappers wouldn't even have a main one, and then it became now they got wife. Then they yeah. had a wife that became popular. Everybody had to get them a girl. But we then always children. We always had it. We just didn't have the we didn't have the strength to just say it. Right. Because we all are in bed with a social construct. Mm. You know what I mean? Like what the measuring stick for cool is the rule that we abide by, and we live our lives in, 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 under the microscope in front of the camera under per public scrutiny at all times. But um, but so so do you think that's part of the, the, the record label's influence on that? You understand me? Because this is one thing I always see. It's like when a person, let's say, sign a bad contract, everybody judges the rapper. Nobody looks at who was the exec, you understand me, that authorized that particular contract, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of that thing where you blame the victim, right, instead of the oppressor or the victimizer. You know, what's the role of the record labels, if they have any role, in, in pushing, I don't know, perhaps a better agenda? For what? Like, like if, I'm, if you're a record label and um, the, music, the music industry itself, like, it, it, this shit is evolving from, there was a time where artists got paid with fame. Mm. That was that was their pay. Yeah, and then artists started artists started to learn about publishing, mm. and then they start asking for it. Yeah, and it was a fight for that. Then artists start learning about their masters. Mm. They start fighting for it. They start having that. It's an evolution. And then you know, before that, there was the evolution of black executives, black label owners, who adopted the same business philosophies and ideologies as the labels that you would put into right. the category of the oppressor. And some of them just, I'm sure, did it just because they felt like I'm going to do as the Romans do. Others did it to be competitive. How can I be fair? And all of my, all of my contemporaries, none of them are fair. And do I even look at it like it's unfair or do I just look at it like I'm here to get money? I mean, shit, one of the, one of the first one of the first black slaves that got exonerated who developed a really close relationship with a slave master and he got a, he got um, vindicated as a slave and somehow fell into some wealth. Was the first, he became the first black person to own slaves. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Dave Chappelle told that story last time I went to see him. And I, I really I really just feel like it's a program. It's a program way of being, you know, like Barry Gordy is a great man. He's done great things for Detroit as a whole. And um, he's created megastars, superstars, icons. But sometimes I often wonder um, if he did, if there wasn't such a, um, if there wasn't such a need and a desire 
for white people to accept the music that was being made. And when I say that, I say that respectfully because like the way that they marketed the music back then was we're not going, we're not making black music. We're letting you know that we're making music for all people, you know, because um, they felt like black people doing soul music was looked at as black music chitlin circuit and then a white man like Elvis or somebody can sing the same shit and you know it'd be considered a pop a pop hit so his thing was we're not gonna make black music we're gonna make music for all people even when as far as not putting pictures of the artist on the album artwork mm. in an attempt to you know just get out there and compete like everybody else keep in mind Motown was a company that was built that was built in the spirit of segregation, you know, like they weren't going to certain areas in right. Detroit because not that white people were like fucking hopping out like the Ku Klux Klan, but just not liking the way that they were being treated. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Being looked at funny. Right. It just made it made them stay in their own areas and it, it, it kind of forced them to have their own independent kind of mind frame. A lot of the businesses were bred in the spirit of that in their own communities. And um, there was a, a certain solidarity that got built like that. So that's kind of like where Hitsville came from. And as it grew, um, and, and the, the attempt to integrate more into society and more into pop culture, that turned into him moving Motown to Cali. And then ultimately, and, and consequently, it turned into him selling Motown. And by doing that, I personally feel like that he empowered that power structure to abuse us with impunity mm. from then to now and beyond. And I and I feel like um, had that not been done, uh, Motown could have been like a beacon of hope and something to fall back on for us um, where we're not coming into the industry so afraid of making mistakes and we're not coming into an industry where we control the largest part of the market share, but we're being made to feel like, you know, I'm doing you a favor, you know, you're welcome. You know, you can be replaced. You could be, you know what I mean? So a lot of these kids are signing these deals knowing that they aren't equipped with the information, but they also don't wanna, they don't wanna let an opportunity pass. You know, Master P said it, he said the first, the first offer that he got was a million dollar offer and he was told, um, that if he didn't take it right now, if he didn't take this offer right now, he'd never work in this business again. Mm. You know, and he said, you know, he left out with yeah. his brother to, to to decide what he was gonna do. And he said his brother was mad. Like, man, I, why, why'd you pass up on that? You know, and that's, that's my thing. It's like, it's one thing for somebody to pass up on a deal, but it's like, why do you have to say that? Why do you have to say, yo, you'll never work in this town again if you don't yeah. take this? Why do, you, why do we have to get made to feel like if we don't, if we don't make a decision knowing we don't have all the information that we'll never get an opportunity again. That's that that's you know, you know what that's that's controlling power. It's a it's a it's a it's a business tactic and it's a it's a stern one, it's a shrewd one. Um and, and, and then it stops us from ever making the best decisions for ourselves because we have to make decisions based on survival and what's given to us. And I think that's why I think that's why we um to play God's advocate to what to the point you were making about um, not holding not holding the record entity accountable and only only kind of like blaming the victim. I think we do hold the entity the entities accountable. It's only when they're the black entities. 
Mm. Like we hold Puff accountable. We hold Hove accountable for everything. Mm. You know, like you sign a deal, you sign a deal with him, and you know, ten years later, you sounding off about, you know, yeah. I want my masters back. Yeah. I want. You don't do that to Sony. Yeah. You don't do that to Universal. That's true. Because even with you know, you talk about Empire, and well, I was I brought up Empire, and they they connect all of the rappers who've died that's been under there, and people point to Gazi, and uh, he's Middle Eastern. But I've never still I still haven't seen any white men get brought up in any situation with any rappers, whether it's based on their masters, their royalties, death, any connection, what and, and they faces pushed out there as part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. Not one that I can think of. Well I You got you got guys like Dame Dash, yeah, that I feel um has been and is doing a, a, a great job at putting perspective on that. The culture vultures. Yeah, but I, I think I think that when guys like Dame speaks, I think it's very telling that somebody like him who who's so who's so prolific, who's so prolific and, and so fearless at the way that he approaches it, and he approaches it in a way where he's holding people accountable. Any black man like that in a position of power in this business is looked at as a, a disruptor. A threat, yeah. So, so he's a he's a disruptor. And, and um, you definitely don't want to empower a man like that with resources. So that they consider that to be even the most dangerous thing you can do. Because if if a Dame Dash has Kanye level money, mm -hmm. then that's a huge threat to the entire system. Mm -hmm. You understand me? It, you know, Fat Joe's talked about rappers having the most dangerous job and I had commented to Charlemagne that I I don't believe that's true. I believe that truth speakers do. Anybody who speaks truth has the most dangerous job in the world, regardless of what job you have. Because right now, the most dangerous thing you can do is speak truth to power, mm -hmm. right? The, this world is all about censoring and banning and, you know, everybody being on one narrative agenda type reality. Why you get shadow banned, you get censored on social media so much is because if you speak outside the lines of what the algorithm accepts, and that algorithm is programmed by you know, the figureheads, then you get banned. Because now you could have influence over a younger generation. You can have influence to where people now, you know, they've seen Trump, and whether Trump is seen as good or bad, regardless of who looks at him, he was able to disrupt the system and have attention and influence, right, and mess with the political process. And so now anybody that starts to have a voice that speaks truth, you've seen as the ultimate threat. Because if you become successful, and it's not the way that they accept black men's success, so you have to become successful in the way that they deem to be safe. But if you become successful on your own merit, you, you garner attention, you have power, you have influence, right, and you're fearless, now you're a problem. So mm -hmm. somebody like Dame Dash, you know, the reality of it is, is the brother is always right, right? Even when he went on The Breakfast Club, he told everybody about being their own boss. It was all of the pushback and now this is the most popular thing that people talk about. Mm -hmm. So it's like the most dangerous thing as well is being ahead of your time, right? Because you won't be celebrated. You're often going to be demonized, right? So you ask me about pushback do I get, and I just believe that I'm in time and on time. Mm -hmm. I try not to be ahead of my time anymore. Mm -hmm. I try to be present, you know what I mean, so that what I say is relevant right now and how we can increase our efficiency today based on our tools, our resources, and the words that we use. And I think that trying to be ahead of your time is dangerous, and it also comes from seeing something and want to tell everybody about it, right? But you have to know which parts to share because a person may not believe it because they can't see it. Man, I don't believe that. 
Or, you know, and, and we just got a very short-sighted society, especially since we come from poverty. I need to make my next dollar. So whatever you've seen over there, I don't need to see it. This is this is the information era. Yeah. This is the information era, and a lot of a lot of people um, are conveying the same message as you. It's just that people people are choosing the messenger that they feel the most comfortable with. Fact. And I think I think Dane is a messenger that a lot of people aren't comfortable with because of the way in in which he delivers the message. Yeah, that's a fact. But but um, he a Taurus man. You know, Minnesota far kind of Taurus. Dane Daz is a Taurus. Mm -hmm. I'm a Taurus. So the, the Taurus are the greatest truth speakers <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah, people. Oh, people, Malcolm X a Taurus too. Yeah, people people give people give pushback, but I mean, you know, you look at somebody like Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Um. The way that he the way that he chooses his words is a lot different from the way Paul Mooney Paul mm -hmm. Mooney chose his words, but they're saying the same thing. Yeah. You know, so it's it's whatever it's pretty much whatever you prefer. Yeah. Cause Paul Mooney more like a rap song, Dave Chappelle like a symphony. He gonna build the idea in your head and take you along a string of thoughts. Yeah, he gonna rock you he gonna rock you to sleep. Yeah. And disarm you. Yeah. Well Paul you know, because he's he, right there in your face with a hook. Dave is Dave is is, is witty and charming. He's witty and charming, and he he, it's 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 so non-threatening. And I always use the word disarming, man, because that's that's the best way that you can describe it. You know, he'll have you laughing at at all of the problems in America that we that we suffer from, and we face. And um, he figures out a way to get all groups of people together, laughing at it the same way, and not feeling mm -hmm. feeling a way about it. Paul Mooney, you know, he'll have everybody laughing, but some people will be looking like. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Like the whole, yeah. his whole angle was to make a few people uncomfortable, yeah. you know, because sometimes that's necessary too. It is. And I think Chappelle just looks at it like, well, you know, that's not what my job is. Not, it's not to make, well, not as of late, but to make people uncomfortable, that's not, that wasn't usually his thing. Right. But, and I think it requires a very masterful skill to be able to do that as well. And many few people have the skill set that Dave Chappelle has. Yes. So even if they tried, the tech won't come off the same. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So that's one thing I, I recognize within myself and other people is that communication is one of the highest level skills in the world. You understand me? If not the. And, you know, as musicians or entertainers, as rappers, or yeah, your business is communication, mm -hmm. right? Like music is, music has the ability to influence people on a subconscious level because they sitting there nodding and agreeing to everything you say, mm -hmm. right? And you can become a leader very fast by, you know, ritualizing them in the courts of you, right? The courts of your ego or your message or whatever you want to put out there. And, and, and this is something that a person pays for, agrees to accept, right? and celebrate too at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's power that a musician has. You manipulate a person's emotions, feelings, thoughts, ideas, the way that they feel about themselves, see the world. Like people literally need music to go through life. Some people would be, you know, commit suicide if they didn't have music. Yep. So that responsibility of you saying that, yo, that power is in that field, and then you still deciding to, well, I want to be an artist. Well, then you taking on the power that artists have because of the field of music. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Music pre-exists rappers. It pre-exists uh, singers. Music is a, is a stream of frequencies, mm -hmm. right? And human beings are susceptible to those frequencies, whether you implant in fear or whether you implant in confidence. So I think that's just a power that 
you know, most people ain't about to be thinking on a scientific or a mathematical level of these things, but this is, that's the magic you're dealing in. Mm -hmm. You dig, and it can be dark arts, right, mm -hmm. or it can be for the good. And to, to transition that sort of thought process, because I was looking at your, um, the XXL, and they say hip-hop's obsession with the Illuminati. I remember when, um, when that, that was just everywhere, right? Yep. In, in high school, all I seen was, you know, those uh, conspiracy theory videos about rappers being a part of the Illuminati, the hand signals, the gestures, the one eye. It was so many different things. And then at one point in time, it kind of just faded away. Mm -hmm. You dig? But I want to know from your perspective, not so much do you think the Illuminati is real and all of that, but do you feel like there's an undercurrent of influence that's dark in hip hop? You understand me? That's prevalent from the beginning, from, you know, all the way back with uh, uh, Kambada to now. Yes, I do, but I don't, I don't subscribe to the, to the ideology that there's some secret group that people get led into and then now everybody is of the understanding that this is the, this is what we're pushing. Mm -hmm. We're sneaking this dark energy onto. I think that's just a dark energy that comes along with giving giving somebody a platform to to express all it all of the ills of their lives and all of the ills of the environment. Um, all of the ills associated with the environments, and I also think. Black people, especially, lack the information so much when it comes to finances and success that when somebody reaches a certain level, in order for them to be able to reconcile that in their minds, they have to uh, attribute that to, to the devil. Mm. Is Jay-Z a billionaire? Oh, he the devil. Yeah, Puff the devil. He a homosexual. He a, you know what I mean? Like, oh, they doing rituals. They doing... And I think... Um, I think a lot of the things that people are talking about, a lot of those things go on in the music business and, and just in entertainment in general. But I don't think I don't think that these guys are being handpicked and pulled into some society in order to be successful. I think Jay-Z made it to billionaire by by being extremely good at what he does, staying extremely focused and making a whole lot of right decisions in a row consecutively. And I think the way that we look at billionaire status in this culture, I think it's just a skewed perception of what, what money is. If you had a real understanding of how much money that this culture generates, mm -hmm. then you really wouldn't look at somebody being a billionaire like they're unicorns. You know, like I'm looking at it like, man, it's not a we should have been billion. It should be, it should be, Ice Cube should have been a billionaire. I think there are more rappers who are worth billions than, it, it's just not a, it's like when you can take in the venture capital world, you can take an idea and get $300 million off mm -hmm. of it, right? You got hip-hop, like let's say Future sold his publishing for 60, 75 million, right? And, you know, I seen you did something with Royal Publishing, mm -hmm. right, on the Web3 space with Eminem to where you allow people to buy into yours. Mm -hmm. if, if, if I think about from a business perspective, could Future get the culture to buy into his publishing and could he exceed that amount of 60 to 75 million to 100 million to 200 million, right? I believe that he could do that. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that that idea is ahead of his time because the structure is not there, but the value is already there. 
when I look at Kanye West, I don't have to look at Kanye West deals. If I look at Jay-Z's publishing on his masters and Kanye's masters and publishing and Beyonce's, the question is how much is that worth, mm -hmm. right? If, if a white man's idea is worth 300 million, right? How is not some of the most prolific music genius, artists, influential people in the world catalog that will probably be listened to to the end of time not worth $100 billion, right? But they would never put that number on it because then you would know, right? And I think that there's a lot of rappers who got $100 million, $200 million, billion dollar catalogs, but it's never been a deal done that size that's going to ever give you true value because they don't never want you to know how much you actually worth. Yeah, but I mean, to play God's advocate with that, do they know what you're worth? You know, like, it's... But, I mean, in venture capital, you know, they, they do a 10x, right? If this person uh, it, it has, you know, for every dollar, it's worth $10, right? Mm -hmm. If you got this type of influence, if there was a, ever a white man with the type of influence of Kanye West, product development, genius, being able to engineer, make music, do design and do all of these different things, he would be the richest man on the planet, mm -hmm. right? Very easily. We don't see a white man that talented because you ain't got to be that talented to get the valuations that they get. Mm -hmm. There's metrics for evaluations, but they don't apply that over to us because they don't want us to know how much we really worth. Well, there's a there's a metric there's a metric that they go by um, in the stream in the streaming world and in the publishing in the in, on the publishing side, and they basically just look at what what it's done up to this point. Mm -hmm. And they use that as a gauge to say, okay, this is what it will do within the next couple of years. If it's on par with the same, with the same, if it's streaming at the same rate over the next couple of years, mm -hmm. and maybe they may factor um, actually being able to um, license license the master for certain things mm -hmm. and different things that they can do using their own resources. They they have a way that they can kind of guesstimate that. Mm. And then, and then that's how they come up with those figures. So I don't, I don't necessarily think. But did, do you think that that model is outdated though, right? Because if, even if you're still getting your value based on somebody else's model, they can create a model to never actually program the true value. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I mean, it's like a, it's, it's like buying music for a dollar when that's a metric set by Apple. Right? Yeah, but look at just just look at the foundation of it. Okay, if you own the master. And you control the master. That's the most important thing because it doesn't matter what their business model is. Like if I have this, I can sell this shit for whatever I want to sell it for. Mm -hmm. You can tell me all the tic tac facts that you want. You can tell me about your business model. You can tell the greatest thing about the position I'm in is that I own this, and I can sell it whenever I want to. I can get down on money and be like, you know, I'm gonna go make. Future sold catalog from this year to that year. So that means he sold a portion of his catalog. Maybe he seen something for six for, for 50 mil that he wanted to invest right. in. Who knows? But that's the beauty of ownership. No, I, I definitely believe leverage and strategy is something that that's the whole point of ownership. In yeah, the first yeah. Place. I think I think in I think in our space, I think it's so unique and that's why it's so hard to compare it to like um, you know, uh Silicon Valley and and tech. But it's and, a I feel like though they don't want us to make those comparisons, but I feel like it's the same thing. It's a product, yeah, right? yeah. And it's a product that sells every day, and the market size is getting bigger and bigger. Streaming is getting bigger, and then you got new tools. So, so what you what you have to do 
is you have to place value on what you are. Mm -hmm. And it's the same when you go, when you attempt to do a deal with a record label or whoever, there's always going to be a metric that they use to try to negotiate you down. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's to attempt to undervalue you, it's to make you feel like you don't have the leverage, but it's all capitalistic agenda. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's, it's, some, it's, it's a company trying to put the less money down as possible and make the most profit as possible. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's the, not to cut your wisdom, but if we look at social media, social media gets money from the advertisers and they decide what split they want to give to the creators, mm -hmm. right? So if you're on YouTube, it may be, let's say, if it's 70-30, right? Or let's say if it's, you know, Twitch, I think they do 50-50. They just cut off the top creator saying, y'all used to get 70-30, now y'all get 50-50, right? The, the new model of the future is saying that, why don't we that got the product and as the creator just go direct to the advertiser, mm -hmm. right? Now, it wasn't possible at first because you got to use somebody else's server, which is a platform. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they get to set their business model on how they want to structure it. The idea of the future or Web3 is saying that this is a decentralized platform, nobody own it. So now if I can generate billions of oppressions, right, then I can now directly partner with an advertiser company and I can get 100% of those advertising dollars, mm -hmm. right? And so I believe the future is partnership. I'm 19 Keys and this is the future. Block World Order is an organization that's based on blockchain technology. What is blockchain technology? That simple question is enough curiosity in the mind that you should be educated on understanding how the new world is being built out. There are new future of money, future of currencies, learn to earn, pay to earn. All of these new ideas that are emerging every single day that you see in the news. All of these new buzzwords, but yet nobody can break it down simple enough for you and your family to understand. The Block World Order was created to make these difficult things simple. To take the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of this technology and bring it in your household. So that not only you're waiting for things to be built out, but you actually know how to build these things. Nothing is set in stone, but when you have the knowledge, you become the builder of the new world. Well, blockchain technology is going to radically change the infrastructure of the world, from banking to education to community to business. In every field that you can think of, blockchain technology will be disruptive. The key that I want to focus on is how do we utilize blockchain to build wealth? By understanding the technology, understanding the verbiage, understanding the way that we can implement it within our daily lives, how we can build, how we can create jobs, how we can create businesses, how we can implement them within our businesses is going to be key to your success during this time. There is a reason institutional money is pouring in by the billions working to be the first people to build it out. Developers, they don't have enough of those people that are actually building out the technology. But guess what? Once you understand the tech, you don't have to always be the developer. You can just be the creative. Once you understand how to create with it, then you can also make money. See, I want to give you keys to not only understanding technology, but understanding yourself. One of the most valuable skill sets and assets that you can have is a powerful imagination. Because if you can think it, then it will be. Some people are limited by facts, but others are free by their mind, just by having a vision. In the Block World Order, you're going to get instructors breaking down these difficult concepts in very simple matters. 
So therefore, you can start utilizing all that you see in the world so that you can have a benefit. I'm 19 Keys. I've created multiple organizations within my time and I think that this is the most important one that I've been involved in because this is the one that gives us a real chance of controlling our future. When we look at the number of jobs that don't exist today, people are out of work, recessions are constantly coming, the market is constantly fluctuating. You need a skill set that is valuable. You need knowledge that makes it so valuable that you can never be poor. Because a mind full of knowledge is a fountain of wealth. As we learn to tap into the technology, we'll also learn to tap into ourselves. We'll learn how to learn, we'll learn how our brain works, how to redesign ourselves and how to shift our paradigm. So therefore, as we are learning, we're also growing, we are evolving. If there's a new world that is coming in, we also have to become our new self in order to take advantage of being the builders. This is one of the rare times that you get in your life where you see a new technological shift and you have the opportunity for people to teach you and for you to understand it. The only question you have to ask yourself is do you want to be in the future looking back on the opportunity that you had to be ahead of the rest? Or will you watch this video and go back like the rest of the 99% who are oblivious to understanding? Because I promise you, if you understand what we teach you and you enroll in the BWO, you will be ahead of 99% of the world. I want you to take that serious. The Block World Order is for you. It is for your family. It is the future of wealth, the future of money, the future of skill sets, the future of your new self. Tap in. Right. Yeah. And, and so anytime somebody do a deal, it's like somebody get hired, I always look at it as a two way thing. Like I'm hiring you, you hiring me. I can fire you, you can fire me. Mm. The problem is we've always gave away the leverage. Yeah. Right. To where it's like I'm signing you a deal and now you got all of the power and then I'm up to whatever this agreement is in this 60 page contract. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I believe that uh, when a person has ownership, you know, whatever they decide to do with it is right because, you know, they have that ability because they own it. But what I'm saying is that sometimes we don't know what, what we have is worth because these new models ain't here yet. And that's when they get you. Yeah. That's when they get you. When you when you don't have an understanding of the value of that master. Mm -hmm. When you're 20 years old and you're going into these companies, you're thinking about how much money they're going to give you. Right. You're not thinking that they're taking the asset from you yeah. to give you a pile of money. Yeah. And you don't realize how valuable that asset is until later, in yeah. retrospect. Then you go back and you try to get the master. It's happened to the best of us. Yeah. Michael Jackson, the mm -hmm. Beatles. Michael Jackson Prince. ended up with some of the Beatles catalog. Yeah. This is, just a, this, is, this is just an industry standard across the board. It's been, it's been that way. Yeah. Like, I've been around since before the 360 deal mm -hmm. and after the 360 yeah. deal. I remember when they when they first started saying that 360 deals were standard. I'm like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> standard to who? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and how they made it standard was they they were looking at the landscape and they were looking at how much money rappers were making going out on the road because people didn't mm. used to go to concerts like that. Right. Now people want to be in, involved in every single moment. They don't want to miss nothing. They want to yeah. be at the venue with their favorite rapper yeah. jumping up and down. Yeah. In one place, right? Yelling, 
You know what I mean? Like that's that's people's idea of having fun now, and that's very interesting. Rappers are getting rich on the road, and then record sales were down. Mm -hmm. So the record company said, yeah, "Okay, we want we, I want to participate in some of that revenue stream too." So what did they do? They got with each other, and they came up with the three hundred and sixty deal, and all of them presented it. And the only thing that made that standard was the fact that we said, "Okay, yeah, we didn't have that's to say oh, we didn't have to agree to that." But I mean, if you, 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 you don't feel like you're in a position to negotiate. Exactly. You understand me? So if I don't say, like you said earlier, if I don't say yes to this, I might not get another shot. And you might not be able to do business in this town, right? That's the and whole thing. And you get told by your lawyer yeah. that that's standard. Right. And your lawyer is connected to them. That's family. Well, you know, if you, if you got a lawyer who, um, who built like a whole practice and a whole empire off of doing industry standard deals, mm, label-friendly deals, yeah. that lawyer is building a rapport and cultivating relationships with all of the biggest lawyers at the biggest companies that exist. Mm -hmm. Now, that makes them powerful. Yeah. So, you know, they can kind of look out for you, but they're more so dealing with you on like a a curve. They're yeah. dealing with you like how they deal with all of their clients. But what they're really doing is they're nurturing their relationships on the label side. So now they're in a position, if they ever get mad at you for anything, they can take your situation off the table. Yeah. They can come together and just block your shit. And, and, and it's funny because they, you know, as we go to school, right, you can get a loan for school, right, uh, for education. But you can't get a loan for business in our communities, right? Mm -hmm. Now we know ways to go develop business credit and things of that nature, but historically we ain't know how to go get no loan for business. And they definitely won't go get you a loan for being a rapper, right? Mm -hmm. But that's what a lot of those contracts was. It was just a loan so that you can become an entertainer. But we never looked at it like that. We looked at it as a deal and an opportunity, right? Even the word deal is manipulatory, right, in the way that they put it out there. Because really, yeah, they what exactly are you giving me? They marketed success to us. Yeah, like you've made so, it once you got a deal. Yeah, our idea of success is getting a record deal. And um, unfortunately, there's not enough rappers comfortable enough in their skin to say, yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah, Well, you got to have something to say that. You got to be like Master P, even if you ain't got it, you know yourself. Yeah, it's like we get it's like we get a deal and then we start faking it like we made it already. Yeah. We're faking it like we are already rich. Like dudes literally sign a deal and be like, I'm rich now. Yeah. I just bought my mama a crib. I'm like, bought your mama a crib with what? <laughs> What the fuck? What kind of crib did you just buy your mother? <laughs> he bought, he got a loan on a loan. Yeah, a little headache medicine just did a deal with, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. to the curb records for $8 million. $8 million? Like, yeah. what? For what? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you got you got a few videos with, with, you know, millions of impressions. What did you give away for that $8 million? Everything. So if you gave away Plus everything. Plus got to pay for the video and everything Yeah, if else. you gave away everything, then that's not a good deal at all. Yeah. You know, because over time, over time, these companies are showing you how valuable ownership of the master is. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want people to misconstrue that with, you know, you know, you just hold on to full ownership of your masters and don't play ball at all. You know, if, if an opportunity presents itself to where a label is willing to give you or a company is willing to give you capital for a for a portion of ownership of your masters, it's up to you to determine what are how much of this are you willing to give right. and what is that worth to you. And, you know, it, it, it all yeah. depends on what the play is. You have to know what, you, what the play is and what you want out of the situation. 
Yeah, I think rappers, I mean, just, just in that, not even just rappers, but R&B, anybody that do music or entertainment, you now get to set the standard, right? Mm -hmm. So where 360 deals were set by, you know, the uh, entertainment companies, now the entertainers get to say that, no, we will, let's say I give you 10%, right? That's as much as I'm willing to negotiate. Mm -hmm. Because when I do my study, I see that they got these royalty bonds, right? These streaming uh, royalty bonds where these companies are investing into music. Number one, there's not enough assets out there that's going to give people a return, mm -hmm. right? So now they're looking at, you know, clever ways to diversify their money and their portfolio. So music is an industry that's consistently growing. I believe something like 30% a year. Right. And then you got, you know, Web3 music and all these things that may interrupt. But music is the one thing to where they can say, OK, this is where we know we can get return on our money. And this is a safe place to put it. Mm -hmm. So if you somebody that owns that, you now have to put your mindset in somebody who's trying to maintain a value and increase it. So instead of giving a sub price of, you know, 100 percent away for a, you know, one time pay, especially if you don't need it, because it's about leverage. A lot of times a person be like, well, 100 million. I got a hundred million. That's gonna double. But if you got a hundred million, you don't a hundred percent need another hundred million right now because over time you're gonna have more wealth, right? Mm -hmm. If you allow what you already have to just grow in value, when or unless you have a plan to do something with that money. Mm -hmm. And once you know, and a lot of times instead of in a culture we tell people like, "Yo, I'm leveraging this," we just talk shit to the people like, "Y'all know nothing about this business." Yeah. So, but it doesn't provide a teachable opportunity on how a person could leverage their ownership. So we don't never get to see the full scale of what's the value of ownership. We see people celebrated for deals, but we don't see people celebrated the same way for how they leverage the things that they own. Mm -hmm. And that's a different culture because you're going to see the opposite culture. They're not selling their shit in the same way, right? Not those who wealthy ain't selling nothing because they know that they can maintain their asset. It got intrinsic value. It's never go down to zero, and it's going to always uh, uh, give you a return for the rest of forever. So I'm going to keep this in the family because that's the family's last name right there. Mm -hmm. So my son's son, son's sons, daughter's daughters forever will have an asset to their name when they're born. So I think, you know, we're not thinking from that Maslow's Pyramid where we're at the top where we can think comfortably. We're still thinking from, like, survival, mm -hmm. right, and protection of things. So once we, we switch that mindset, we start controlling the future just by thinking of the future. Mm -hmm. If you don't think of the future, you can't control it because you're going to be always asking somebody, yo, what's the future? And right. then they give you their image and then you live that out. So my whole thing is always trying to implant something in our imagination, give people a vision of the future of, of yes, I understand. the. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Current climate of things, and, and, and this may be right based on our circumstances and conditions, but what about the reality we want to see, right? If you don't start when, when you know, you're young and you have a dream of, you know, being in a position of fame and success, everything is about that vision. Mm-hmm. Every single day, I got to see this out. But once you get that, now what's your vision for being in this position? Because mm-hmm. now you can dream different. Now you can imagine different. Now you got position. Now you have media. Now you got platform attention. So I think a lot of times it's, it's reconstructing a new vision based on your new position. Mm-hmm. You understand me? And I think sometimes we still move from, you know, um, the person that had the original dream. Like you can't think from that position anymore. You, now you got to think, oh, I'm in a position of wealth and power. I'm in a position of freedom. I'm in a position to make things change. I don't expect everybody to have that level of care or consciousness for society. But for those that do, those are the people that I want to have an effect with the message when they hear it. Like, bro, right, I actually can do something with this position I'm in. I actually can create some sort of foundation where we actually have our own agenda. Because if you don't have an agenda, you are 100% going with somebody else's. Right. An agenda is a list of items, it's a terms of things that you want to see done out. Mm-hmm. I was watching a movie, Woman King, and I think cinematically that movie was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. You understand me? The, the black women, just they just came off glossing, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, you know, there was a white writer. So anytime, first I watched the movie as a movie viewer, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I love that movie. Then I watch it from a critical perspective of who wrote the movie because I'm watching the the writer and the producer's thoughts, right? Because they are narrating their truth and their agenda and their creative eye. And then I'm giving my perspective on whether I like that or agree with it or not, right? So, you know, I, I had to do my research on the Dahomey people, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, it's crazy how they got us to celebrate slavers. But I didn't think about it as I'm watching the movie. As I'm watching the movie, I'm taking it in. This is incredible. Black women is going to feel confident from this. But I'm like, it's amazing how, once again, they can get us to celebrate our oppressors. Mm. You understand me? But now they went to Africa and found our oppressors in blackface, right? And said that we're going to give you these to be our heroes, right? And without us controlling everything from a vertical integration standpoint, from the writing, the production, the studios, we don't have a say-so over what's pushed from somebody else's agenda. We can have a perspective on it. Mm-hmm. We can judge it. We can like it. We can dislike it, but we can't control it. So, I mean, what do, what do you think about that? Because um, we've, never been able, we've never been able to control what goes on on the mainstream platform. Well, we have more power now to control more aspects of it than ever before. How so? so there was an OG who was talking about civil rights. And he was talking about, it was, I think, during the anniversary of, you know, Boer versus Brown education. And he was explaining, he said, you know, back in my day, we had more righteous demands, but we didn't have any power. We didn't have any resources. He said, this generation got all the power and resources, but no righteous demands, right? So they was, they'd be out there in the streets about all of the things that they want to change, the vision that they want to see for the future. But they had no actual power and control over anything to implement any of that. 
With, right? uh, I think some. I think. Um, I think those resources that we have that we didn't have before, and um, all of the abilities that we have, and all of the knowledge and shit that we have now, versus what we had before, is being applied. But it can only be applied outside of that mainstream paradigm. So, like, if you if you're looking at what Tech Nine is doing online, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. If you look you look at you look at a whole bunch of people just just pushing like a, an amazing line outside of the paradigm. It's just that when you the mainstream stage, mm -hmm. that big shiny stage, we've never been able to control that, and we're never gonna be able to control that. Why so I think not? I, can we build our own stage? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So when I say outside of the paradigm, I mean. Our own stages are being built, but it's something about the mainstream stage yeah. that, pe that people are just drawn to. They want to be able to do what they're doing there on that stage that they built. They want to be able to do it on that mainstream stage where all the smoke is at, the white hot spot is That's what I fact. call it. So that the white hot spot is something we, we've never been able to control that. So I think any energy and effort that gets put toward totally changing a system and a cycle that's been in place forever, any energy put toward that is, is, is a waste of time. So, all right, every, based on where we at right now, there was somebody that seen the existing system and was like, I can change this shit. You understand me? So I, I always look at things like the Constitution, the Magna Carta, right? The, these different things that have been written by Families coming together, white families, white men coming together and being like, yo, our intellect is going to run the world, mm -hmm. right? Based on the vision that we have for it. Because what they decided to do was instead of trying to run a territory, they wanted to run time. What we try to do is we try to have physical might and over proximity and territories. That's how we is in the street. This is my territory. We don't think about how can we run time? How can this be my age, right? So this could easily be our age, but we've never set precedence for it. So the next hundred years, do we want to control that? So once you even start thinking like that, you start building systems around your control and your power, mm -hmm. right? So that's a completely different viewpoint of ideas of, of power than the ones we even have. The type of power we go for, it doesn't have any power in it. You understand me? Because we're always looking for power inside a system that we don't control and own. You know why that is? Because we always exude power within systems that we don't own mm -hmm. because a lot and of these systems, them systems yeah a lot of these systems well all of these systems are fueled by the influence the natural influence that we have look at facebook look at facebook instagram the community of what i just named that community is large enough to dictate who wins the election and who doesn't like that community dictates pretty much everything in the world, even more so than the Constitution, because the guidelines, when you sign up for Facebook, the guidelines of the community, it basically says if you go against these guidelines, then we can snip you. Mm -hmm. Now, automatically, these guidelines don't align with the Constitution. Mm -hmm. They don't, uh, you can't use the, con in other words, you can't use the Constitution to um, hold to hold the Facebook community accountable for 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 doing anything that go that, that violates your your rights your freedom if it's of speech unconstitutional you can't look at Texas what they just passed is saying that the uh, Facebook and social media companies can't ban people for their perspective right in the way that they speak like every state is its own government 
right? Mm -hmm. But then you have the Constitution that all states are supposed to abide by. The Constitution is the ultimate law. Everybody don't try to use the Constitution when they, when they like, even if somebody go to a court case, you know, you can utilize constitutional law to supersede any other law, right? You got the Supreme Court Pennsylvania, and then you have the other one. And those are the highest laws in the land. And they go based on the Constitution when you get up there. So what happens is, is we don't often take it to the highest point, right? Because we don't often you see the Constitution as something that we can utilize to defend our rights. So if you look at somebody like Lil Bootsy, mm -hmm. right? They took his Instagram page. <laughs> what do you do if you're Lil Bootsy? Uh, Why should it, they be able to take his Instagram page? Because they own it. But exactly. he agreed to it, but it he wasn't unconstitutional what they did. That's exactly what the record industry is. That's exactly what Facebook is. That's exactly, it's something that's built already. It was never meant to serve you. Right. Ever. So the more time that Lil Boosie spends trying to convince Instagram to give him his shit back is the more time spent away from building outside of Instagram. I agree. Because he can, he can apply that same influence. He's a powerful black man. He just may not be fully aware of how powerful he is. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Instagram and Facebook is designed to make you, keep you feeling that way. You know what I mean? Like, and, and as long as we're operating within the systems that, they, that other people created, and those communities are meant to serve all the people. You know what I'm saying? And we're the minority, so we right. automatically are going to come out on the, on the receiving end and the losing end of a lot of things that aren't really that fair. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like um, I think, I think the, the, the proper way to look at it is to utilize these platforms, knowing what you're getting yourself into. Mm -hmm. Like the mainstream stage, the mainstream platforms, you have to, you have to figure out a way to, to, to play the game on those platforms because you're in their house. They're not influential platforms. All it's just a big shiny stage that takes yeah. what you're doing and places it in, in front of everybody. That I agree with. You know what I mean? They're not. People look at these platforms like they're dictating. Like that. Like you have to rap about this, and you have to. You rap about whatever you want to rap about. Just understand that you you have to figure out a way to make yourself culturally accepted enough to stand on these stages. Yeah, I mean, shit. That's that that goes towards creating your own stage, right? Because I know for a fact that, you know, if you take any rapper right now that's hot, that has cultural influence, that they can easily move people, and you tell them, boom, here's my stage over here. You already know the rappers. You already know how the deal structure is. Mm -hmm. So you go directly call them, have those conversations. Listen, we go do our own festival. Let's go compete with the festivals because they kick rappers off for these reasons and those reasons. Mm -hmm. And we don't agree to that. Right. So what we saying is our new structure and our new standards or rules that, you know, regardless of what you got going on, if it's not a legal situation or something that we find to be so disparaging and where we can't stand next to you, you can get on these stages. Right. And we can even, you know, have a, a consortium where we give you a cut of everything that we do. Like you can basically just create your own rules. The problem is having people that kick down that door and get it started. The reason white people get to get the benefit that they get the benefit is because they actually started the business. Mm -hmm. It's the only difference. Mm -hmm. They built the stage. It's the only difference. We've seen thing with Travis Scott. He built his own stages, and I feel like they feared that fact that he was able to create his own uh, 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 festivals, mm -hmm. right, where he was becoming like a Disneyland over there, where he can easily, you know, decide to have 
a concert and he got all these people showing up and he has all the power. Anytime you realize you the power, you become a threat because now they can't use you. Well, if you don't need me, well, then I don't need you, right? And so they say, well, we got to figure out a way to either make an example of this type of business so that everybody don't try to look at this as a new archetype, as a new standard, because then that threatens billions of dollars. And there's no industry in the world, I don't care if it's solar plants or solar power contracts, I don't care if it's trucking, airplanes, whatever it is, anytime it deals with tens of <coughs> millions to hundreds of millions to billions of dollars, they would do anything to maintain that money flow. Yeah, you can't I mean, disrupt nobody's money without consequences. That's, cap that's capitalism at its finest. But I mean, these guys that you're speaking about, like Travis Scott, he's very, very, very in bed with the corporations. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like the face. He's like the face <laughs> of like McDonald's burgers and shit. Well, I was just using him because he has that power. Like, just in the sense that he created a festival around his own likeness. Yeah, there's that's right. There's plenty of guys that like Tyler the Creator and them. They have one. Um, Pharrell has one. Yeah, but I don't uh, think none of them was big as Travis Scott's. I disagree. Mm. I disagree. You talking about the festivals? Yeah. Them was different. I don't remember. I don't, you know, I don't remember Pharrell's and what you call it in them festivals, so I can't really speak on yeah, what Yeah, I think Pharrell were. and them just started, but um, Camp Vlog, no. Um, Tyler oh, yeah, I remember when they did that. Yeah, Tyler and them festival was pretty big. But he pretty did have the Kardashians behind him, so. Yeah, that's another you know, thing, too. Brand. You know, you know, like getting in, getting in bed with the Kardashians, you know, like he's very, he's, he's, He's done a beautiful job at leveraging his brand, um, le using his brand as leverage to do these amazing deals with right. these big ass corporations. But like, like I said, if you take, right, so that's a whole nother business, right? So like just having a business to where you can set up the sound, you can set up, you can do, get the city ordinances, you can get the contracts. I think that's probably the most technical side people don't want to get involved in because mm -hmm. you'd rather just show up and get a check. The thing in our culture is we don't like to create systems. We got all the brilliance in the world, but we don't like to create systems. So you can take somebody that is nowhere near as genius and got all of the charisma that know how to communicate and speak, and they can still make more money than you because they know how to create a system. I think Jay-Z is a good example of somebody who, who's been attempting mm -hmm. he's not only attempted, but he's been successful at creating systems. Title title is one of them. Mm -hmm. But the the biggest task is getting people, getting our people, to get on board yeah, and to follow. That. And I think I think a lot of people, and I hate to say this, and I say it respectfully, but I think a lot of people don't use title just because it's Jay Z. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I mean, look how easy it is for Apple as a system. Look how easy it is for Spotify as a system, because we just unconsciously just subscribe to those platforms like it's nothing but when it when it's title it's never viewed as a system it's always going to be that little thought in your mind that this is jay-z shit you know what i mean so automatically he's under all the scrutiny you asking all the questions about everything that is title that you wouldn't be willing to ask about spotify and apple music and that's 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 what makes it damn near impossible for title to compete you know, with those with those other with those other streaming platforms. Yeah, and I think you know that's where technology updates come in because I I, I title as a Web three platform, right? Because now they got this new thing with Web three artists and music where, like, what you're doing with the royalty and the publishing, mm -hmm. giving people a percentage. That's a completely different game where the fans get the benefit from the music that they listen to. So they're not just a fan; they become an investor, mm -hmm. right? 
And I think that these things are more exciting for people because now you're not just switching platform, you're jumping into a whole new wave, right? Mm -hmm. A whole new way to, they got things called social tokens where they mm -hmm. give out these people tokens and now you get access to certain level of music to meet and greets like Chris Brown doing with for the thousand dollars. Like this is way for I feel like people to build out their communities because communities is more important than anything right now. Anything. Right? You know, this 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 topic brings me to Eminem, mm -hmm. right? Cause I I believe Eminem has probably he not even probably he has the greatest community in hip hop, right? Mm -hmm. Where it assures his success because he speaks to his community and by community I'm talking about his fan base. The right? stands. Yeah, I know we use community as like, you mm -hmm. know, black people, but I'm talking about actual fans. Fan base. So it's like when he puts out a song, it's gonna guarantee a level of success because he has been consistent with his community this whole entire time. Mm -hmm. Where he's not worried about competing with all of hip hop. Right now he's satisfying his fan base. Right. So when you say when you say success, you mean um from a numbers perspective. Yeah, you mean logis logistically, okay. So, you know, I, I said before, you know, matter of fact, I remember you retweeted something, you posted it when I talked about Drake. Mm -hmm. And um, that one went viral. I wasn't expecting it to. I was, <laughs> Which one? I said that it was just after his, uh, not this album, but the last album came out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, Drake never ever said something conscious. Uh, <laughs> 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 it, was, it, was, it was something around that about it. Somebody had said some tweet under it. It was a lot of funny ones. I ain't gonna lie, mm -hmm. black Twitter, music Twitter is different. And you had posted that one up. I was dying laughing. But, you know, I, I didn't have no expectation of it, but it's just an observation, right? I like yeah. making observations and sharing them with the world. But anyway, with Eminem, I had recently tweeted that Big Sean, what did I say exactly? I said Big Sean makes, I think I said he makes better music than Eminem. Mm -hmm. Or I, I might have said a better artist, I'm not sure. But I put a qualifying statement in the caption that I'm saying in the terms of making music, not rapping. Mm -hmm. Right, because I think with Eminem, the thing is, is ain't nobody go out rap Eminem. Mm -hmm. Right, I, I look at you got like Wayne, you got like Eminem. Is like I feel like this generation to look at is like two of the top rappers ever to exist. Mm -hmm. Right, to to even imagine being a rapper, and that's based on his skill set. Mm -hmm. Right, but when it comes to music that the culture listen to, you are going to have more recent hits of Big Shine in your head than Eminem. Mm -hmm. Right. But when it comes to and, and to wrap that point up, because I want to know your thought process on that. But when it comes to being able to house a fan base, I don't think that no other artist has done it as successful as Eminem. Mm -hmm. Even while Drake maintains his success, Eminem has his community over here that nobody is ciphering from at all. His community may still listen to everybody else, but their loyalty is over here. They're not comparing to say Eminem is now second. He's third. He's fourth. He's fifth. He's just Eminem, mm -hmm. right? So my question is number one, how do you, what have you learned from Eminem or have you as far as his ability to maintain that sort of base? Because I feel like that's the basis of how all rappers should build their communities going forward. And then number two, do you think Vic Shy makes better music than Eminem? Okay, let's go, let's go to, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the, be, let's go to the beginning of the question. Yeah. Um, Eminem's ability to be able to connect to his fan base is um, his ability to be able to do that is so it's so unprecedented mm -hmm. and, and it all starts. I was there from the beginning. It all starts with 
somebody being courageous enough to be vulnerable mm. and to be transparent and to tell a story that we hadn't heard yet in hip hop um, and be okay with, with however people feel about it. I think just the fact that he, he rapped so well and then he, he told a story that we had never heard before and he made hit records while doing it. I think it just resonated with people in a way that has transcended from generation to generation mm -hmm. to generation. I think now, uh, and nobody's ever done it like that, ever. So I think now, where we are now and where he is now, and where he is as a man, he's doing just what he wants to do now. Mm. He, want, he wants to just outwrap people now. <laughs> he's, not, he's not necessarily focused on um, trying to make the biggest hits in the world, you know what I mean? So I think um, I think the music that he's making now is just a reflection of that, and I think that the way that he chooses to compete is what brings him fulfillment. And I think that that's what what the realm of art is about. It's impossible for him to for him to compete with Big Sean. It's like you're talking about a total different generation. Mm -hmm. Marshall isn't supposed to be able to resonate. He's not supposed to be able to think the thought that connects to the 17, 18 year old before it, something that comes out of Big Sean's mind. Big Sean has his finger on the pulse of current culture in a way that Marshall should, it, it would be impossible for him to have his finger on the pulse in the same way. He lives a completely different life. It's been a completely different journey, you know? So, um, I, I seen he said it was Jordan Lucas, Kendrick and Cole, I think he said this is only competition. Well, I, I I didn't I didn't see that interview, but I did see that headline. Uh, just just based off of me, the conversation that I have with him, we talk about this kind of thing all the time. That's not something that he would really say, <laughs> you know what I mean? But he um I see Jordan Lucas posted it. Yeah, but I mean he 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 speaks very highly of everybody you just said. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But the, that's my only competition part. I, I don't know. I've never heard him say yeah. no shit like that. But I know he, he speaks just as highly as Sean. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. he thinks he thinks of Sean the, the same way. Do you it, think Big Sean underrated? I think he underrated. As a lyricist, hell yeah. yeah. As a lyricist, hell yeah. But, I, I mean, I think people can't walk and chew gum at the same time. You know what I mean? And they, um, I think they associate his brand with, um, they associate his brand with young and commercial mm, okay. because he's very marketable. He's a superstar, yeah. you know what I mean? But he's a lyrical one. Mm -hmm. And people aren't used to necessarily seeing that. And he comes from Detroit and he doesn't rap like the, the Detroit guys now that are kind of like they holding the flag right now. Yeah. They run in the world. You know, the world is biting their style. Sean don't come from that. Mm -hmm. Sean went to Cash Tech. He vibed off many types of things. He vibed off Eminem. He comes with flows. He's a, he's, he's, he's a practitioner rapper. You know what I mean? These guys are hustlers. Mm. They're motivators. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that's one, yeah, that's one of the things that make, makes us strong. But Sean, the way that he does it, he was meant to be a superstar. He was meant to be up under somebody like Kanye. Kanye was the perfect person to, to, to give him tutelage. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, who makes better music between him and Eminem, that's 
super subjective, and that's like one of the <laughs> yeah, fun things about this shit. That's 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 the fun thing about hip hop, though. Yeah, it's, it's like the it's conversations like those and the conversations and around it. Those conversations are fun, and I'm sure that that post gave people something to talk about for days and days and days and days. <laughs> that's all I wanted to do anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like um. The way that they talk about Marshall now is like, you know, nobody, nobody listens, nobody in the hood listens to that shit. I, I think that's funny because I was around in the beginning. I was right there next to him when he got his first week number. I was right there next to him when he did My Name Is. I was right there. I was at the first show at Tramps. I was on stage with him when the, when the, when the head programmer from MTV came into the dressing room and told him, you're going to get tired of seeing your video on MTV. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was there when he dyed his hair. It wasn't a publicity stunt. He was mad at his girl. And then he went in the bathroom and locked himself in there for a long ass time. And I was like, man, you all right in there? And when yeah. he came out, his, his hair was orange. But it was it was one of his fits of rage. And that he was, was a Slim Shady birth? Yeah, that, was, that wasn't the birth of Slim Shady, but that was the birth of the Slim Shady image. Mm. When I met him, he was, he was a, kind of a fat, kind of fat. Mm. You know, he used to wear these little dad hats like real low and he used to have these little ugly glasses that he used to yeah. wear and he used to have them down over his nose like that. And he had no style. Yeah. All he did was rap. He was a rapping machine and he was always nice and he was always nicer than everybody. Mm. Always. There was never was y'all back and forth? What, like like on, on some competitive? Yeah. N not anything other than friendly competition. Yeah. I mean, you know, man, like when... When I started hanging around him, and this is contrary to popular belief, like he he taught me everything that I know in terms of the technical aspects of lyricism. Like he's he's the first person to break down to me the concept of syllables and syllable usage and, and making them connect, making them match, and you know, just song structure. Like he taught me so many things and I don't know how he knew all of this shit. Mm. And he so, knew it before that, Dr. Dre. That, that reminds me of like Kobe, right? Cause Kobe was mathematical with everything that he did. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. he didn't just look at basketball. He looked at the science of it in mm -hmm. every aspect. So it's like when Eminem, you imagine it's just like a talent, a skill he born with. I don't think a lot of people equate the skill set of like the study and the science of rap when we talk Eminem a lot. And I think that that's probably, uh, that could be a part of the reason he don't get his flowers. He a student. He a student, and I don't. I don't think. Um, and I say this respectfully, but the white guys that came after him, you'd never be able to compare them to him, no, because I mean, because. Yeah, he's too many of them, like, but there, but but there's, but there, there's some there's some great ones, there's some great ones, there's some just extremely talented, but they're all derivatives of him. Yeah, that's a fact. He is a derivative of Tretch, mm. Coogee Rap, Nas. Mm. AZ, yeah. Souls of Mischief, you know what I mean? Student, he's a student of that. Like he fell in love with the culture the same way we fell in love with the culture. And um, he wasn't the first authentic white rapper. There were other white rappers that, who were authentic, but he was the first one to do it on that level and have an effect on the culture because he came out as himself. He didn't come out like, yo, God, yo, I'm a Muslim too. I hang with the five percenters. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And don't get me wrong, there was a time where 
he wasn't all the way comfortable in his skin. There was mm -hmm. a time when he was had to part in his hair with the big baggy jeans with the rips in them, with the with the with the uh, airbrush on them, and that's when he used to get bullied. You know, walking yeah. up, you know, walking on the east side, you know, you know what I'm saying over there by Osborne, walking around over there looking like that. Niggas was looking at him like, who is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's where the bullying came from. Yeah. But him becoming comfortable in his skin and like. I'm on the phone with him and he not like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It got to a point where he was just like, yo, what's up? He just started talking like himself. He just started acting like a white boy, but a cool one. Mm. And it wasn't like, yo, I'm from the hood. I'm, yeah, I'm the trailer park. Mm, when have we heard that before? <clears throat> Nowhere. And you know, his relationship with his mother, we didn't even, we couldn't even identify with that. And we all were intrigued by it. And then, I, I seen the reaction. I seen how shit was in Detroit. You know, like all of those shows that he was doing, I was on stage with him and everybody was there. I knew everybody. He may not have known everybody, but I knew everybody. Proof knew everybody. Everybody was there. Everybody was listening. Everybody referred to him as the white boy. Song was all over the radio, everywhere you went. Stadiums, everywhere, everybody was there. Like shit, we be at, yo, his listening party, his first listening party in New York. We standing in the VIP and people are just showing up. It wasn't, in, it wasn't the internet back then. He didn't have access to the other celebrities to be able to say, I'm, I'm inviting you. They were just showing up. We sitting in the VIP, Aaliyah walks up, greets him, says beautiful things to him. They hug, take pictures, she walk away. Missy walks up, says beautiful things. Hove walks up. Come on, man, do that sound like somebody who, who only affected the stands? I don't think I don't think that that's an argument that Eminem didn't have any effect in the culture as far as having black fans. Because I think, I mean, anybody I talk to him, I think it's more of a current conversation as far as does he still have an effect, right, in the culture as far as black fans. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, I guess that's a valid question. But I mean, does he need to have an effect on black people? He's I mean, not black. I mean, apparently, well, it's hip hop. So when we think hip hop, we equate hip hop to black. Yeah, right, but we so don't do that to we don't do that to Jack Harlow. We don't do that. We don't do that to we don't do that to Yellow Wolf. He is straight and up racist. Ran so Jack Harlow could walk. <laughs> yeah, you know, and well, it's like you, you say it. and it's like these guys, these guys, man. Like Jack Harlow is great to me. Shout out to Drama. That's my guy. Jack Harlow is a great. He's a he's slick as fuck. He's slick as fuck. But then Eminem came in the time of like Fifty and Dre, so he was immersed in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I in mean, between beefs with Jack Ja. Jack Harlow is immersed in it, just, yeah, just in his way. And, but not in near as far as importance of, you know, you got 8 Mile, then you had everything that was going with Dre and G-Unit, and then you got Eminem there in the middle of that, then you got like whole versus. Jack Harlow can't compare to how in-depth Eminem was embedded into the culture in very important moments mm -hmm. and at very important times. You understand me? Like, just the verse of... You know, uh, 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 what's the song with him and Jay? Renegade. Renegade. That verse right there solidified him and hip hop in a way where people won't even get the opportunity again to do shit like that. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Being in the middle of 50 beef with Jai and then having verses on those songs, that ain't shit that even Jack Harlow could do today, right? You can't even get in the middle of something like that anymore, right? So I feel like, and then just having that back and forth with Dr. Dre making those. Uh, uh, hits with him, that's just a different time in the culture that was that was part of the engineering and the shaping of the culture that we live in today. Yeah, and I, and I also think um, 
I'm glad you said all that shit, so I ain't had to say it. But I, <laughs> I, th I think, I think, um, I think just us as men, we have an effect on the culture a certain way because um, we're speaking directly. We're speaking directly to the youth as as the youth. Mm -hmm. I think those of us who have been afforded the luxury of having longevity, we get to a point where we become adults. We become adults speaking to the youth. Mm. And um, automatically our words don't resonate the same, especially if we're not pandering to, to the every like of the youth. Mm -hmm. I think somebody like Jay-Z his words resonate so well because his ability to be able to read the room and, and just how of culture he is, he just knows the cool shit to say, the right shit to say oh, yeah. at the right time. Somebody like Eminem, he's an addict like myself. He's a hip hop lover and historian. He likes it the way that he likes it and the way that he does it is for his fulfillment. Now, the way that he does it and for his fulfillment that may not always translate into resonating with what the youth think is cool. You know what I mean? So I don't think that he's always thinking about that. I think he would love for everything that he does to resonate how it resonated when he was running around out here on drugs and he was like out in the streets. Yeah. You literally talking about somebody who can't go anywhere because he's too famous. Yeah. That's you know what I mean? So he's living a completely different life. And, you know, like shit has evolved in a different direction. You know, the complexities of his raps aren't as important as they were back in the day to certain people. Right. So I think what's happening now is a lot of people are looking at how they used to feel about Marshall and they're questioning themselves. They're questioning rather, was I just tripping? Was I just a kid? <laughs> like, was I following some garbage? You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's... that's that's Now the hits is hits. The, the songs you go back today, they still... You know what I'm saying? Like, I was listening to some Eminem on the way here, and you know you got to make that ugly face. Yeah, it's like, and it's like when you look at, to, to finish the point I was making, when you look at um, the way that the guys who have longevity have grown and, and their, their words don't have the same impact that they used to have, I think what people are doing is they're not putting Marshall in that category they, mm -hmm. because he's white. Yeah, so that's it's like, part of it too. It's automatically like, People don't like you how they how much they used to like. Well, people don't like Jay Z the same way that they yeah, used to Jay -Z like. Yeah, but Jay Z still is able to. He Jay Z can do stuff that nobody else can do, and the yeah. way that he can maintain relevancy and speak to the culture and the things that he say makes him. You still feel like he got a pulse on the culture. It's up yeah, to but look at look at the scrutiny that he's under because he's Jay Z from the youth. Yeah. Look how many. Look but how that's many. That's the blessing. If nobody talking about yes, you, you ain't in the conversation. Yes, and that's how I look at Marshall. Uh -huh. It's a blessing, bro. It's a blessing. Bust it down. That's your, that's your right as a fan. That's that's the fun part. Bust it down. Yo, the hood ain't listening to that shit. It's a fun conversation to have. Game made a 10-minute record about it. It's a, yeah. it's a fun thing to do, you know, but at the end of the day, none of these, none of this shit determines legacy. His legacy is just what it is, bro. Yeah, no, he, he set as far yeah, as it's legacy. Like, it, it's, like, it's like, you know, these are issues that he doesn't really have to care about, but I mean, I think it's admirable that he even cares. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's like, I think also, I think what we want, what all rappers, we love to nudge rappers so that they can do something else. Yeah, so they, could do, so they could do something that you want them to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's the whole thing. That's, that that's the fan input for that reason. Yeah, like, that's part of it, it's, man. It's like, like somebody got, was like, the whole, I, I imagine Hov would want to make an even better verse than God did now. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because now the conversation is people saying it's his best verse, whether you know real hip hop heads or Jay Z heads believe it. But Jay Z to me seems like the type of person whether he's actively caring about it. I think it's a passive thing when he get in there. Shit, I want to say something else that had that kind of impact. You feel me? But I think that that's necessary because that's part of the youth of hip hop. You understand me? Still caring, still making moments. Mm -hmm. Whether your intent is the same when you was younger, where it's like ego based. What I think it becomes more is like, yo, I can do it. Why not do it? Yeah, this is how I look at art, especially in the realm of evolution. Um, Jay Z and Eminem both had times in their career where they had something to say. Mm -hmm. And I have to say this, I have to get this off because this is a part of my story and this is what defines me. Those moments are not supposed to be toppable. You don't, you, like you don't, to me that's when you're at the height of your creativity, that's when you're at the height of your artistry. Then you develop and you move on past the white hot spot into a different road. Jay-Z, there's things that he does outside of rapping that are more Mm -hmm. impactful and beneficial to the culture, those contributions are more beneficial to the culture than if he stopped doing that and started focusing on giving you albums again. Right. But then he, he raps about it, yeah, which makes and, and it and another he's, toppable he's, moment. He's, yeah, he's already given us some of the greatest moments as far as albums and as far as lyricism in the history of hip-hop. It's going to go down in history forever. So has Marshall. So now... The way that I look at these guys is musically, they're not beholden to that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So now, as creators, some some guys may just want to go back to that 14-year-old kid who just wanted to just lyrically kill shit mm -hmm. without you expecting them to change the world every time <laughs> yeah. that they put something out. And it's cool to have an opinion. You know, that's cool too. But at the end of the day, I always say the same thing. We don't work for you. We're not an employee of the people. Contrary to belief, man, this is, a, this is not Burger King. You know, this is not, you don't get it your way. You know what I mean? Like, this Jay-Z learned a lot about himself through the realm of art. So did Marshall. He came into his own. The first time that he ever felt accepted, the first time he's ever heard anything good about himself. Man never had a father, didn't know his father. His mom had issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had a strange relationship. He never felt accepted until he got on that stage. And now he feel like, damn, I actually got a place in this shit. And it was something that he already had immersed himself in because he made, he felt great following it. So to be able to actually do it and then now be held to a standard and elevated up above us and, and praised, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's- But how do you see yourself in it? Because, you know, you've written for Dre, you've written for a multitude and then a lot of stuff behind the scenes and your lyrical capabilities is Mount Rushmore as well, right? So do you feel like when you have the gods like Jay and Ye and M and Wayne that, you know, then you got people like Jadakiss that just got more of his flowers and I think properly got his flowers on that versus stage, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think sometimes like a, there has to be a moment that's like, oh, this is what we're not paying attention to. This is what we're not appreciating. So do you feel like, you know, you've had that moment and you're going to have that moment where people can properly see the light of your talent? Or do you feel like it already is already there? I think, that, I think the people who follow it 
um, understand that or, or um, come to a place where they where they um, they identify me as somebody who's very good at what I do in terms of talent and skill. But I also am of the belief that people don't buy music because of that. Mm. Um, there's some people. There's some people who listen to Andre 3000 and are in awe of his technical ability, and that's it. But there's a lot of people who who take much more away from it than that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think, I think it's everything. Everything matters. Everything about Andre 3000 matters, not just his technical ability. So, um, there was a time in hip hop where it was like, okay, he's the best rapper, so he's number one. We're going to buy that. We're going to follow that. You know what I mean? And it was an easy order to cover at that time. Now that hip hop has evolved so much, there's so much more that goes into this shit than just, you know, um, artistic ability. You know, you can be amazing at what you do and people will go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. But it's the little intangibles that make people, that makes it resonate with people in a way where they want to keep listening to it over and over and over again. Now you're talking about something that's a, probably a little more spiritual than anything mm -hmm. because when you think about the effect that classic music has on people you know thriller you can't really explain it you just understand yeah, it's understood it's yeah. and that's what makes it classic you're not supposed to be able to duplicate it so the whole theory that i want you to make another thriller michael jackson stop making this kind of music that's that's wishful thinking bro that's 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 yeah. it's debunked already Reasonable doubt can never be done again. Illmatic can never be done again. So, like, I have people tell me, man, just go back to the to Boom Royce. You telling me to go, you telling me to digress. That's what you're yeah. telling me to do. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I understand that whatever Boom was to you, however that resonated with you at that time in your life, you may just, you may just want to relive those moments in your life. It's not my job to provide that for you. The, the best I can say is just go back and listen to Boom. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But it's not my job to go into the studio and try to recreate something that I created when I was a child. Mm -hmm. I'm just in a different place. And, you know, just like Boom wasn't for everybody back then, what I'm doing now isn't for everybody. So, I mean, I think that's the great thing about music. You can, however it connects to you, it resonates with you. You, it's, you can, it's your right to listen to it however you choose to. I think now you can straight up curate your whole life. You don't have to listen to anything that you don't want to hear. Like marketing, even marketing, something as powerful as marketing can't cut through. If you just decide, you know, I'm riding in my car, I'm listening to not even satellite radio, I'm listening to my playlist. I'm in the gym, I got my earbuds in, I'm listening to my playlist. You know what I mean? If I'm in the car with my girl and she listening to her music, shit, I can put in my earbuds. I don't have to hear that shit if I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? So what's going to make somebody like you? It, right. it has to be something more grand and more expansive than just how well you can rap. Yeah. I mean, I look at somebody like Toby. You got LaRussell. You got Simba. Somebody like yourself. I feel like these, these are different type of characters that can have high-level success, mm -hmm. right? It's not gangster rap, but these are men. They mm -hmm. present themselves as men, right? I think it's the quality of, of there's some masculinity, there's some will there, and, you know, they still come from uh, the streets, but not over-embellishing the environment, mm -hmm. right? But saying that, no, I'm a man, I'm stand on mine, I'm going to present myself as who I am. And 
I think masculinity in hip hop has been decreasing over the years. Mm -hmm. And but now I'm starting to see like the people that I just mentioned, not only because they talented, but they put great production behind what they do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's more important than anything right now is production. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about the state of masculinity in hip hop? And this is kind of the last thing I want to talk to you about. Just because I feel like a lot of the problems that we have in hip hop is just the lack of masculinity. You mm -hmm. understand me? The, the lack of principles, morals, accountability, integrity, all of those different things, it would be a code of manhood. You understand me? Rites of passage, a way of thinking. But without masculinity, it's impossible to hold boys up to that standard. I agree with that. But I also understand um, the younger generation of today, they're very, they're very powerful. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very powerful, but I don't think that they have a full understanding of the power that they have. And I think that where they are mentally is their self-expression supersedes everything right now. So a lot of times that self-expression, throwing on a dress or doing something that caters to the LGBTQ community, because because it goes against and gives pushback to what the social construct used to be. A lot of things are being, there's attempts to rewrite a lot of things. There's attempts to re make people rethink the way that they've been thinking. And I think a lot of things, that, a lot of foundational things that affect our community and, and that give strength to our community, like masculinity, I think sometimes takes a hit mm -hmm. because of the, of the creative um, because of the creative uh, roll of the dice that that are being taken, you know what I mean? The creative risks that are being mm -hmm. taken. A lot of times those creative risks, they spill over into foundational things that never should be tampered with, you know what I mean? Like you should be able to take those same risks and it not affect the community in that way, but it only affects the people, it only affects the community to the people who are aware of these effects. There's a lot of people because of the internet that are seeing the community, the culture, and the world through the microwave door that is their environment, you know? So I think it, we gotta give these guys a little bit of room to grow into a, a way of thinking to where they can understand the effects that their moves have on everything because up until that point they just don't realize what their power is and I think um, that's a conversation that needs to always be had but it's a, it's a, it's one of those that we got to be we got to be careful how we address it how we discuss it we got to be real careful because you don't want to stunt somebody's growth who could be the next Kanye West you don't want you don't want to get them second guessing everything that they do so it's like the way that it gets addressed, it can't fall into the young heads versus the old heads conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to, to, to put things into that category because they're, they're almost going into it expecting it to be that. You know, so um, when, it, when, it, when it gets to that point, I always look to the people with the most wisdom, the older heads, you know, the funk flexes, the, you know, whoever, I, 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 I wanna hold, us to a standard to make sure that the information that there's not an information disconnect there and give the youngins leeway to do stupid shit you know what i mean and then utilize that those moments as teachable moments as opposed to 
pushback for everything and, you know, my way of doing things versus your way of doing things and me making you feel like I'm coming from a place of judgment because what you're doing is not like how we used to do it. There's so many different conversations within the conversation about letting this shit evolve. There's a lot of people in New York who, you know, like because they're from New York and they know that this is where hip hop originated, they, they're from New York and they have like this entitlement and sometimes the way that that's conveyed, it comes off like, yeah, we don't want it to change. We want it to stay exactly like this and we want it to stay exactly like that. And I get where they're coming from, but I just don't think that hip hop is one of those things that, that could ever stay the same way for too long a period of time. I think we should always be open to keep our minds open to the possibilities and how much it can expand and evolve. And especially when it's being done in a way that you're not accustomed to seeing, that should be like a case study for you. Like, I love when I don't understand something. Like, I love like, like when niggas start with rapping off beat and shit. I'm like, that's my biggest, that's my biggest case study right now. Cause it's like niggas like niggas rapping off beat. That's like, that's like watching an NBA game and a nigga yeah. be like, yo, I ain't dribbling no more. Like certain things you shouldn't be able to even tamper with. So that's intriguing. That's amazing to me. So I, I, I remember having a conversation with Cole about this and he was like, yo, man, like I remember just beating myself in the head with that shit until I finally understood it. Because the worst possible place that we could be in is older dudes trying to recreate that same thing, knowing they don't understand it and doing what their interpretation of that thing is. Yeah. And it'd be the worst shit that yeah, you ever fucking on. heard. Ever. You have to understand it in order to be able to speak to it or speak on it. Because other than that, you're just speaking from your experiences. And it's come. It, it's going to just sound like judgment because you're basically just saying that ain't what I do, so fuck that. You right. know what I mean? But it's like, yo, it's, a much, it's much bigger than just you. You know what I mean? Like they're enjoying something. I want to figure out why. I want to figure out why, and I'm intrigued by that. That's why, you know, my son and all his friends, they be around, and the shit that they like, I'm always asking them questions because it, it's amazing to me. Like, rap is going through so much. Like, it's, it's cultural. It's, it's kids from different countries who have, like, a cultural impact, who people are following. The first time I heard the term meme rap, I was like, what the fuck is meme rap? Oh, that's when, you know, they're not really that serious about rapping. It's more funny. I'm like, wow. So people are using hip-hop to be entertained in many different ways. I remember when you had to be good at rapping in order yeah. for people to enjoy it. Now, I remember when you had to be a tough guy. That's a fact. Too. Now, now it's like, nigga, you, you better be careful how you be a tough guy if you're going to be a tough guy. Because yeah. people don't, can't walk and chew gum at the same time. And I think the most open-minded individuals are the most successful individuals. And um, I think that those are the ones who should be the most focused on the responsibility that comes along with having a platform. I can agree with that. And gatekeepers. I think um, I think we're too we're too afraid to be to step into the role of being gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. There has to be order. There has to be order. It's too yeah, many balance. people. It's too many people coming into the culture, stepping on it, and keeping it pushing, mm -hmm. misappropriating it, and we spending too much time focusing on. Focusing on shit that doesn't matter. Focusing on people like Eminem. He's the only one who you shouldn't be talking about. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you talking, you picked the only one. <laughs> the only one who came in this motherfucker, contributed and stayed. Never, never sold you a rock song. 
never, never did anything, never has done anything that you can look at sideways and be like, yo, man, he just, you, yo, and it's like, bruh, y'all motherfuckers don't have nothing to say about nobody, and y'all still talking about this man trying to figure out a way to make him that. He's not that, bruh. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And it's to the point now where I can't even, I stop defending him, because I'm a coon when I defend him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, look at him speaking for him and him again. I'm not speaking for him. I just know you're not gonna hear him say shit about it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I, I thought I was giving you some, you know, I thought I was placing some perspective on on yeah. it for you. You know what I mean? I, I do think that the creative community just has to be careful of being taken advantage of. Yeah. Because of the want to and need to express yourself. It's like they say in, a, in a, controlling a crowd, the easiest to control in a crowd is the most emotional and the crowd is usually like a child or a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And so meaning that, you know, lyricism is like logic. Mood music is feeling and emotion. Mm -hmm. And this new generation is a reflection of where we are in society, a generation that don't really think they feel. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And so what we see is a reflection of those feelings, but those feelings can be easily manipulated and swayed in whatever direction of who's paying them or what's hot or what society says is a trend or what somebody has as an agenda. So I think that, uh, you know, when the expression is genuine to who they really are in their core and it's not based on, you know, them being manipulated and being used, because one thing I know is that anything that can be used for power will be used for power. Of course. Whether it's the TV, whether it's the iPhone, whether it's music. And music has been something that has been utilized by the powers that be since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. To rile the people up, to make them feel a certain way, to embed messages in it. So I think that the creative community has to, you know, um, have a level of consciousness, you know, about how they're using themselves or how they're being used. And I think just that extra thought, right, becomes enough to start filtering some of the BS, right? And then I think that we start to see, because what you're talking about is a person going through a natural process of growth, having reflection and maturity, and whether that's a stage or a cycle or whether that's them, you get to see that develop over time. If they can last long enough. If they can last long enough. Mm -hmm. And so some people, they're they not in it to last. I'm going to make a dollar. I'm gonna leverage this and I'm gonna go do something else because the new generation thinks in completely different ways because we got different options on how you can leverage having a hit song, right? Mm -hmm. Or just a moment. And so, but you, you have to understand the responsibility you have when you use this thing called music. Mm -hmm. It has the power to shape minds. It has the power to do good. It got the power to do what a, a person can consider bad. Let me, let me ask you this question. To bad. The people that you're explaining who, um, who clearly are just coming in real quick for a check. Yeah. Um, somebody with wisdom can look at them and pretty much tell that they're not going to be around mm -hmm. for that long. How much of what they're doing do we pay attention to? Not as much because they're influenced by whoever's successful. Mm -hmm. You understand me? So they follow the cultural trends and they try to get in for a second and get a couple bucket uh, of dollars or get a quick look of attention. Mm -hmm. So if gangster rap is hot, man, shit, I'm about to go in there and rap gangster real mm -hmm. quick. Mean rap is hot, I'm about to go in there and rap this. Funny rap, I'm about to get lyrical, I'm gonna do this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the gatekeepers, those who are successful, those who amass more light, they have the ability to set the tone and they have more powerful. The people that come in, fly by day, they may go viral for a moment and they just a blinker in time. 
they don't have any real influence mm -hmm. because it's not consistent enough to dominate any frequencies. Right. It's those who have that ability to change the frequency of music. And there's a few people right now that if they all decided, this, we want to change the sound of music. We want to change the sound of rap. They have so much considerable influence right now. It ain't got to be so drastic that it's like, yo, we did a 360. I'm saying just small tweaks. They can mm -hmm. do that, mm -hmm. right? So those are the people who have more of the power. And they already, a lot of times, in positions of comfort. So they don't have to do it for, you know, the societal trends because, you know, they can play with reality in different ways. Mm -hmm. So those are the ones who got the power and they got more responsibility. You, now you're speaking about creators now, right? Yeah. Give me give me one example of somebody you feel has that has that ability. Not just one person, a collective. So let's say like you got women, you got um, of course you got to go with the young women. Then you got to go with like Nicki and Cardi B, right? Mm -hmm. They have an influential power on the younger women that come under them mm -hmm. because their music set you know the tone for the things that they rap about. What's successful? What can be sold? Right, things of that nature. It sets the trends. Then you got people, of course, like Drake, right? Mm -hmm. Drake sets all kind of trends all the time. He connects with different sounds, different rappers, and when he puts them on a pa his page or he does a collaboration with them, now that's a new, you know, trend inside the culture, a new sound inside the culture, mm -hmm. right? And when you take people like that, and there's many more other people that we have in the culture, whether some haven't been there that long and some are newer. But what I'm saying is once you start hearing the new sound, right? Like Waka Flocka was one of the people that pioneered some of that sound where it was, you know, more dumb rap, right? Mm -hmm. It was just music. We just turned up. He didn't know he didn't know what type of cultural influence he was going to have, I'm sure, when he stepped into that studio. Mm -hmm. Right? But then you have people like Gucci Man that was opening the way for him, right? But once you now at this position where you understand, like you talked about, when you understand your influence, right, now you have the power to intently and consciously influence. Mm -hmm. You can no longer say, well, I'm just making music. No, you, you make an impact now, mm -hmm. right? The question is, is, is it good or bad impact? And a lot of times <clears> you can tell, because everybody got families now, would you let your kid listen to your music solely and let that influence their life? And if you wouldn't, then you purposely going out there influencing other people's children with your product, knowing it's not good, but you wouldn't feed that to your family because you love your family. You yeah, did? because I'm being a parent. Yeah. So if, you're, if your child can, if I'm, if I'm curating your child's entire life, then we, I'm, I'm going to look at your parenting first before I look at me. But you still, not even just a parent, a parent is an influence. Yeah, right? but I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that to, to take away all accountability from myself, though. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, Let's not skip steps. But we, we know for a fact that the family dynamic has been broken up a lot. Absolutely. So what we're saying is saying that if we had a dynamic where we know it was two-parent households and they was raising their children the right way, then the owners would easily be able to say it's on the parents. But we now have the knowledge of knowing that this is a culture that is not raising children right, so why add to the system? Okay, look, well, let's use Gucci Mane as an example. He still don't make positive music, but I watched this man go from straight up goon, mm -hmm. drug user, alcohol abuser, caught a body, went to prison, came out sober, clean, thinking clear, lean, stayed that way.
marry this girl, put her on a pedestal, held her in high, held her in high regard for the whole world to see. And so far, we haven't heard any stories about any scandal of him getting caught cheating on her. This is no different from what Toby is doing. He got her up on the pedestal. He treated her well. He's never disrespected her publicly. He still makes the same kind of music, but he's helped more Atlanta artists and more artists than probably any other artist damn near in the history of the culture. That's a fact. And I think that people is looking at what he's doing, and they're seeing it how they want to see it. You know what I mean? They can't find the redeeming qualities in what we do. Because in their mind, it only has to be done in a in a in a in a in a cookie cutter, uh, bright sort of way. You know what I mean? But I personally feel like that a lot of the super commercial, um, I'm marketing positivity to you. That shit can be just as gimmicky as the obligatory C before shit. Market positivity though. Like I don't, you know, like I, you gotta, I don't. You gotta I wouldn't do your listen part. to it. You, you gotta do your part. Yeah, I think you can be your 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 real self, but it's it's the way you go about. You understand me? How you say and what you do that can have a different influence. Like, look at Kanye West can sometimes make a song that's not particularly positive, but he gonna say one positive thing in there, and that's gonna stand out more than the rest of the song. You understand me? And that's kind of like his formula. But instead, you have somebody that have a song that's particularly negative, and nothing in there is positive. So you're not taking no opportunity to mix none of the medicine in the candy jar. You understand me? And that's what I'm saying is that I'm not saying you, you switch up your platform. I'm saying that you, now you got the attention, you can throw in a 10% in there. You can throw in a quick little something. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, but that can. still requires you to care. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But, I mean, I think we kind of saying the same thing. But the, mm -hmm. point, the point that I'm making about Gucci is just because he doesn't do that, but it he, doesn't mean he he's not doing his too, part. Though. He made a song about stop smoking, uh, talking about smoking the dead ops, and he said that I, I realized my participation in creating that type of culture. You mm -hmm. understand me? Like that, I reposted it on my page because I'm like, this hard, mm -hmm. and that goes along with his new development as a man. Mm -hmm. Because what we seen was his development as a street nigga into a man, mm -hmm. right? A family man, and I believe his example of becoming a man, how he treats himself, right, how he eats and how he works out and how he treats his woman is something that he didn't have to do. He decided that that's what he wanted to be seen mm -hmm. as. Mm -hmm. So I think then what it does is, ain't nobody going to play with Gucci, but you know that he has made a change and he's not looking for, you understand me, those same things that he was when he was attracting and he was making that kind of music he did back in the day. Mm -hmm. You understand me? This music, you can tell, is more for entertainment and the other one felt like lifestyle. You understand me? And that's because you see the man and then you see the music. But he's created a clear separation and a difference. And then now he's deciding to say, well, you know, every once in a while, I'm going to throw a, a clear, good message out there. And I think that's indicative of his own consciousness of knowing the type of karma that comes with just putting out message that influences without feeling like you're not going to get that intent back. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I, I just feel like He's done a great job at, at figuring out what his superpower is, and he's using it his way. Mm -hmm. You know, like the way that he's applying it is so helpful. To, it's so helpful to the culture. Like everybody, everybody, everybody shouldn't have to do it through the messaging because everybody's not going to be. Mm -hmm. He may not be as good as him at doing it. You know, that right. may not be Gucci's strong suit. To me, I overlook the music because I don't have to listen to the music. Mm. 
and I just see I see the good in the brother. You know, I don't have any desire to like work with him or nothing like that. I just I admired I admired that. I like the fact that it's something totally different from what I do. Like the kind of artist that he signed, I don't even really listen to like that. Like it's a whole bunch of negative music that comes along with that, but it, it's so much opportunity being given, and it's such it's it's so many selfless acts of kindness that's just disguised in what you what, what we perceive as negativity mm -hmm. you know and i i think the reason why i keep touching on that is just maybe i'm questioning i'm questioning the way that we perceive things a little bit i'm questioning perspective you know like it's all perspective how much needs to change in the realm of art and then how much needs to change in terms of the perspective of the listener or the person that's being vocal about what's going on in the art. How much do you, do you understand it enough where it would qualify you to hold artists in, in, in contempt in that way? Like, do you really even know what you're looking at? Do you even know what you, does see Dolores Tucker really know what she was doing when she was stomping on Tupac CDs and, back in the day? Did she really know how important that he would end up being? I don't think so. And I don't think that that even was a concern of hers. Mm -hmm. I think it was just, you know, like people from one generation being kind of stuck in the ways in which, you know, they're used to. Old fashioned. Yeah. Boy need to wash, wash his mouth. That boy need to. And it's like, yo, that's like our grandmas and our aunties. Shit. See, Dolores Tucker can probably come slap me in the face and I'll just be like, yes, ma'am. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm stuck in the ways of how I view the elders. I, I love the elders. They could do no wrong to me, but I, it doesn't mean that I don't see, I don't see the, the, the missteps yeah. in the steps that they're taking. It doesn't mean that, that um, if, if, if some of them were a little, were a little bit more open-minded, I wouldn't be able to shed some light as to how to be, how to get through to me. There's, some, there's lots to be learned from the youth, man. I agree. A hundred, I, I think that this generation is the most talented generation for a lot of different reasons. And I think that this is a very like, man, they're they powerful, but don't know their power and don't control it, yeah. I believe. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like when you've got people, every generation becoming more powerful, they become more dangerous to themselves and others. And oftentimes it's used against us and no one else because white people take it as entertainment and we actually get influenced by it. And that's because the entertainers look like us. Mm -hmm. So we want to become them and it's aspirational to be in a position. But now it's like, all right, if you look at some of the top guys that's in music, it's not the gangster rappers. Of course. You understand me? So now it says that you ain't even, you know, your music can't be reflective of your environment or it can be aspirational. You understand me? What you want to see or it can be what you see, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's about giving education on what they can do because I feel like a lot of times uh, a, a lot of cats just don't have any exposure and nobody talking to them like this. You right. understand me? And without the dialogue being out there, they never even think about it, so it never gets put in the music. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to a young African artist, and I seen him making mu uh, art. He was going to make all his art look like Basquiat, but he was from Africa. And in his place of Africa, they got like a certain aesthetic. And I'm like, why don't you never put none of your own cultural influence from your, your homeland? This looks like Basquiat. Mm -hmm. And then he thought about that, and he's like, bro, you're right. I never thought about it like that. Then the next time I seen him make art, it was dope as hell because it looked more original to him. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I feel like it's the same thing with artists today that make music. It, oftentimes, nobody just come in there and have a real conversation with them. Like, bro, you know, you can do this as well, just as better. 
I mean, just as good, and it's going to be as successful. You can be as loved. I don't want you to have to, you know, give up, right, where you are in your place in time. I want to give you more options for actually you can do more. You mm -hmm. dig? And I feel like those options ain't going to be given by no music studio. They're going to look at it as bare numbers and how you come in the door is often how you got to stay, all right? How you maintain power is the way you keep power. So I want you to get power the right way so you don't become a slave to the way you made that power. Yeah, well, you, yeah, because you, you're talking about two. You're talking about two different agendas. The agenda of the artist should always be to build to build your brand. Yeah. The agenda of the label is always going to be to make to make money, and that's it. And and to take the least amount of risk as possible. And change is always going to be a risky thing. Whenever whenever you're talking about changing something that's that's already been proven as successful, labels are always gonna they're gonna always give you pushback on that. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson had to fight with Epic Records to bring Quincy on to do to do uh, Thriller and Off the Wall. Yeah, the entire staff was against it, and he went to Quincy and told him about it. And Quincy said, "Yo, man, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it." Because they said he was too jazzy. Mm. And he went back with his management and he fought to bring Quincy on. So yeah. he brought Quincy on going against their better judgment. And you know, you know that can that's that that's going to cost any artist on that level their positioning with that label if it happens to fail and the label ends up being right, that's going to cost that artist their positioning. So Michael Jackson was for all intents and purposes purposes gambling by doing that. It just so happened that he went out there and made Thriller and Off the Wall and it turns out that Epic couldn't have been more wrong than how wrong yeah. they were. Um, did anybody get held accountable? Who knows and who cares? You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, it's about understanding they have an agenda. That was a risky thing on their, on their behalf because they're looking at numbers. They're looking at history, what he's done in the history. They have no way of knowing, oh man, they can go make Thriller and Off the Wall. How do they know that? Like, mm -hmm. you, how did we know that we needed to hear a whole album about smoking weed until Dre gave us the chronic? We didn't know, you know what I mean? So creative vision, uh, vision for how to build a brand is something totally different from profiting off of music. So those marketing meetings are completely different from like the conversations we're having now or um, just collaborative meetings creatively in the studio about music or if I'm sitting with Kanye and we talking about how he wants to change the world and how he wants to express this and express that. They're just different conversation, and those who understand the different conversation are the ones who usually thrive. You know, yeah. if you depend on the label to build you, then you you're gonna lose every time because that's never been what they were here to do. You know what I mean? The days of finding, you know, the homeless guy on the street with the big beautiful voice and turning him into a superstar that shit went out the window with reality TV. Did know? it though? Because I feel like those days may be more prominent than ever because. I think that the artists have more leverage because if they get, you know, a, a million streams and 10 million or something on YouTube, they now use that to go try to get a deal. And uh, the, the labels will build around what they've been built or what they've built because there's now precedence that this can be sold. This is what people like. Okay. Well, shit, this is how much money we can give you to build this product. Right. So, right? so to my point, you, you, you got to go prove that this is what people like first, mm -hmm. and then we'll buy into it. So essentially what we're doing is we're investing into something that you built already. Now we're giving you money mm -hmm. to be a part of what you already built. Right. There was a point in time where people, rappers got signed 
when I went on my first run of trying to get a record deal and doing meetings with every label in New York, man, I remember being in people's offices rapping with my shirt off. Yeah. Like people were getting signed because of how nice they were. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case now. It, it, there's not a lot of people putting their creative vision and their belief in somebody's talent on the line. There's not a lot of that going on. There's more focus on numbers and, and, and misleading analytics than now than ever before. People will sign some shit that they think is garbage, but it's winning. That's a fact. So it's more of an investment. It's, it's not... But in the bad economy, they can take less risk. Yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not as much of a, a contribution to the culture, which, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, start sounding all coachery and shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, but somebody, somebody got to, some, some, at some point, somebody, you know, on those, in those high-level executive chairs have to view the decisions that they make and the moves they make as contributions to the culture. Yeah. Only reason why I'm saying that is because when something don't work, when something doesn't work and there's a negative adverse effect that comes from shit that doesn't work, it affects the culture in a way it's, it's differently from how it affects any other yeah. groups of people. I mean, like Takashi 6 9 the phenomenon of, of Takashi 6 9 affected us, the culture, differently from how it affected the teeny bopper kid who's following him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, we got to be aware of that. Not, not to say that we police and stop shit like that from happening, but we got to be aware of the way uh, we engage these things and how much legs and light that we're willing to... I never had a problem with the kid because I never looked at it like it was a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I never looked at it like it would be something that would just be around for a long period of time because I always viewed, judged it based off how I felt about the music. I never really based my opinion on shit about how I felt about him personally because... I have no way of knowing how I feel about him personally. I can disagree with his antics, but I disagree. I disagree with a lot of a lot of positivity that's out there that's done a certain way. I disagree with it because sometimes it looks anecdotal. Sometimes it looks like people that, that are just repeating talking points. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it looks like fake activism mm -hmm. in an attempt to build clout. And I don't feel that that's any different from CB4 shit, you know? And I, I just feel like I feel like there's a balance. I feel like that there's bullshit going in both ways. You know, there's 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 music being done by women that may be the messaging may be a little too risque for me. And then there's really, really, really clean uptight positive music and images associated with that obligatory fucking uh, obligatory airbrush on what graffiti on walls, you know, uh, uh, cameo appearances from older legends in an attempt to make it look more authentic. All of that shit is the same bullshit to me. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, it's a, either way. I just, I don't think, I think just because it's being presented to you as positive that people look at it like, you know, like, no, people should be listening to this instead of that. But it's like, yo, DP. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have any opinions towards some person that'd be like, you gotta listen to this person over the other. Yeah, you know, that's, and that's, that's that's general consensus. Yeah. That's like that's that's one clubhouse. You one clubhouse room away from that. You know, it's yeah. like you go in the room one time, and it's just like, yo, we're putting all of the blame on the the lyricists, the, the rappers. Like you know, like you said, Nicki, Cardi, who are they influenced by? Mm -hmm. They're the products of of Lil Kim and Foxy Brown mm -hmm. and Lauren Hill. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, Lauren had her way. Kim had her way. 
I think they're all amazing contributors to the culture, and they all go down in history forever. Hall of Fame, whether you liked it or not, whether you were into it or not. I think we understood it a little bit better because it resonated with us at a younger age. And then now, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to look at the derivatives of it and um, see it the same way. But if you could possibly put yourself in the shoes of a young and hearing Nikki for the first time, you can imagine how incredible that must be for somebody, you know? Yeah, I think hip hop will forever have, I think it's, it's the rap game. And I think the rap game, because I see all things come in cycles. Mm -hmm. I think that what we're going through right now is a cycle. But I think that hip hop started off with a lot of great foundation as far as what it wanted to reflect. You understand me? And the values that it wanted to contribute to society. And I think that there's going to become a point in time where, you know, uh, the polarization of hip hop happens to where some of those you know, morals, I don't think it's going to ever sound the same again, but some of those morals of hip-hop in this early stage be embedded back into it. Absolutely. It's got to happen. Yeah. I mean, just look at the way that it's progressed. Like Snoop unintentionally taught me that bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. And that's kind of like what I, how I lived my life as a kid. Yeah, you know, too I, short. I didn't, I didn't realize that the entire time he had his wife with him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... I mean, I mean. So by the by the time by the time I grew, um, I don't know. Fifty did do drugs. Yeah. So by the time I got to a point to have enough wherewithal to be able to see it that way, I was damn near in a position where I was about to lose my wife. I had to go get my wife back. <laughs> you know, put put shit in this proper perspective, and then now it's only right that a lot of the a lot of the women now, the way that they express themselves in their music. They're empowering themselves by not needing us. They're empowering themselves by not allowing us to judge them for the things that they do versus the things that we do. They're trying to take away the double, double standard mm -hmm. and empower themselves. Y'all do it. Why can't we do it? You know what I'm saying? Fuck these niggas. Make him eat my pussy. Make him pay for this. And me, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's kind of like a, it's damn near like a defense mechanism for all of the years that they didn't have us. Think about how many rappers have stood up for black women over the years. How many rappers have said, spoke highly of black women over the years versus how many black, how many rappers have condemned women from here to across the street without even meaning to, but just, it's just regular rhetoric, rhetoric and hip hop. I had these hoes over. Yeah, you ain't talking about a, group, a room full of white girls. Mm -hmm. At least that's not how we take it. You had these hoes over. I'm thinking you got Keisha. You know, Rhonda, you know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking that's who you're talking about. You know what I mean? And, and it automatically, it, it evolves into what it is now. So there's no other direction for it to go but back to morals. Yeah, because, you know, I, I, I was talking with Bia about soft life, mm -hmm. right? That it's a new movement of women not wanting to have to show up as, like, masculine and tough and hard and all of that. They want to show up in softness and relax and be seen as happy and joyful, because I feel like even the thing with Megan, she realized that it's because I show up so tough that people care less. You understand me? Because you show up so hard that you're not humanized as a woman, mm -hmm. right? So now the image of female rappers is becoming more softer. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And I think this is a good movement, and if there was ever a movement that men want to champion, I think this is a solid one. Mm -hmm. The issue, I think that a lot of men don't want to have to be 
tough again, though, because a lot of men don't want to be men, or boys don't want to be men. Like the the feeling and the sentiment towards masculinity by the younger generation is that it's basically like toxic. So, it, in order for that balance to to rehappen, you know, black men would have to step back into a masculine role so women can step back into a feminine role. Mm -hmm. You dig? And that's the flipping that has to happen in culture for us to have respect within our own selves and then across the planet. I agree. But let's, let's not skip steps. A lot of these guys that don't want to step into that role, they don't want to because they don't know how. They didn't have fathers. Absolutely. So if we're going to talk about that, then we got to talk about putting the father back in the house. That's, that's being masculine is becoming a father, right? Because that, that to me is, it's like, let's say I don't have children yet, right? But if, if, I, if I equate my masculinity to me being a good father as well, because that's an honorable thing to do. Mm -hmm. You understand me? To preach, provide, protect. You understand me? Your children, your wife, your family. I'm going to be in that household. Exactly. So therefore, my woman, she can be within her role, I being within my role. We raise the children with both of those dynamics in that household. Mm -hmm. So now they're learning from both of us that code of conduct, that value system. And my so, son has no problem stepping into that role. Exactly. It's just a natural thing for him. Natural. That's what he's seen. That's what mm -hmm. he knows. He don't even know anything else. Yep. So even if I see somebody that does, let's say so if... if, if Creatives continue to want to have whatever expression they want to. It don't have the same effect because I come from a household that allowed me to see that as entertainment, mm -hmm. not as aspiration. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, bro. But listen, man, I appreciate having you on here, man. Come on, man, it's an honor, man. It's, it's an honor, it's an honor and a privilege to have dialogue. beautiful brothers in here, man. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think conversations like this need to need to happen. More often, I mean, I know you have them all the time. You go around just kind of like picking everybody's brain. Yeah. And I think it's just necessary, man. I think you're doing your part. Yes, sir. You know? And it's, it's only but so much all of us can do. But I think if we look at it, not like we expecting to be a monolith, like that. that's never been a thing and that never will be a thing. White people don't even have, they, they're not even a monolith. How the fuck mm -hmm. are we going to, you know what I'm saying? So I think if we're able to view it, through the lens of everybody doing their part and how valuable that is that everybody knows what their role is. I think the reason why you're so effective at what you do is because you figured out how to do it your way, you know? And I think that's why it translates so well. And I think that there's other people who, you know, they, they can afford to be a little bit more loud and boisterous. Maybe we may want to hear a more brash delivery from somebody else. We don't want to hear from you. You choose your words carefully and you're able to get the word across without getting a whole bunch of pushback from the power structure, and I think that that's necessary. So I'm glad that you raised the way that you were, mm -hmm. and, and um, you developed like a trust with me. Like I don't, I don't ever think about the possibility of you breaking in any way, you know what I mean? And I, I just feel like we need more of that in the culture, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? We need more fearless, Fearless black men who are spreading the word, who who aren't, who don't feel like that they need to convey this threatening disposition, but it, it's a disposition nonetheless. It says don't fuck with me, but it's not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the truth is threatening enough, man. And anybody that delivers it is already a threat, so you ain't got to put no extra on it. Right. You feel me? And, and just by any ear listening or any mind perceiving it, you're going to manufacture change, whether you want to or not. 
if, if you got a, a bag of seeds and you start dropping it on fertile soil, something gonna grow. You right. understand me? And so I feel like that's what this mission is. And like seeing what brothers like Zeke is doing with New Era Detroit, I love what they doing as well. That's why I came out here to highlight, you know, them. I always told them, bro, I post them on the page. I do because I'm like, we talk about what we want to see. And then when people do it, we never highlight it so it yeah. can never grow. Because he, boot, he boots on the ground. He yeah. boots on the ground. Heavy he boots. boots on the ground and fearless. And I love Zeke too. And, you know, like he get. He he get he get invited to all of the shits. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like people always want Zeke there. They always yeah. want New Era Detroit there. But it's just like anything else. They're gonna wait for it to get hot first. And then yeah. they're gonna act like they always supported him. And I think Zeke Zeke is smart enough to know that. But yeah, he, yeah. You could tell, I mean, because he ain't been getting the support that, that he should, and you can tell that what he's doing is a passion of his. So he's never gonna stop. He's another one who has developed a trust with me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't ever see Zeke stopping. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because you can tell that he already sees the mission. You know, getting people to support it, that's when you start to learn how much work we, we really yeah. have to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, the, the event is about conflict resolution, and I know, you know, you, you, you good at conflict resolution. It depends on what the conflict is. <laughs> <laughs> depends on the conflict. <laughs> Well, man, I, I hope in the future, man, the whole culture gets better at conflict resolution <laughs> uh, because, you know, that's that's definitely um, a masculine intellectual thing. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Uh, instead of going over the reels all the time in our culture, we can actually have conflict resolution in ways that we settle our issues and problems with each other. And once we learn that, we had a level of maturity where we can't be stopped. I see the growth potential from there. It feels, it feels, it feels great, bro. Yes, sir. It feels great to be able to do that. It's a way more liberating feeling than crashing out. A hundred percent. Every time I've ever crashed out, I've always, I've never, never looked at a crash out in retrospect and felt good about mm -hmm. it. Not one time. Yeah. I've never looked at any time that I've ever aired anything out publicly, um, personal stuff amongst family or business associates or anything involved in, in that walk of life, I've always regretted it. Yeah. There was a saying I seen recently. It was explaining something that's better than charity, something that's better than prayer, and it was reconciliation with someone that you fell out with. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Reconciliation is one of the highest deeds that you can do as a person because we leave energy just out there soaking and soaking, mm -hmm. and that's never good. But when you can reconcile, that's better than sitting down and praying all day. That's better than meditating. That's better than any of those things that you think are higher. Reconciliation is number one. Yes, when it when it involves making amends. Yeah. Like when it involves both sides showing having accountability for the role that they played. Because mm -hmm. I've also been in situations where I've apologized to somebody, and they didn't hold themselves accountable for anything. Yeah. They just accepted my apology. Yeah, to me, nah, to me, to, to me, that's fulfilling for me, but yeah. it shouldn't have been fulfilling for them. Yeah, because it's like if you're just accepting an apology, what fulfillment are you getting out of that? Yeah. You know, you, if anything, you're still taking the same position that probably helped to get us to where we nah, were. To, to a true reconciliation is two people coming together and taking accountability. You understand me in front of each other for the roles that they play and the reason why there's an issue in the first place, mm -hmm. right? Without that, then one person could forgive the other person, but y'all can never reconcile y'all differences. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Things have to come to a balance the same way if you're doing the books and it's accounting. To, to reconcile, you have to, you have to account for the issues, mm -hmm. and then things have to zero out. 
It can't be, oh, well, you still owe me. You understand me? Uh, but I apologize. That's still an issue there. There's still mm -hmm. a discrepancy. So that maturity also is just realizing that most of the issues that we have with each other are minor. You understand me? It's just that we put our ego so much into our issues that we feel like we're giving up a part of ourselves when we reconcile with other people. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned from when I was a young, I was always taught that learn from the white man because he is able to do business with each other and not make excuses, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not something we always know how to do. We don't but know how to we, do we adopt, business with we, each we other. We adopt every other philosophy. We adopt it all, but <laughs> not the best ones. Mm. When you ask, if, if, if you take the average black man that wants to be a success in America, he doesn't have a black man in his head when he's mentoring himself as far as who he is aspiring to. Mm -hmm. It's usually a white guy, and as we talked about, you know, black people being those positions of uh, 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 authority in the music industry, mm -hmm. they copy the same tactics of the white capitalists that took advantage of us. Mm -hmm. And as Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan kind of said, you can do capitalism, but it got to be righteous capitalism. Yeah. Right? Because I feel like we can make all of the money in the world without taking advantage of each other. You understand me? And I think that that's the highest level of society we can get to as a people because that's when we have transcended our oppressors. Yeah, we got we have a responsibility to our to our culture because we're at the lowest point of the socioeconomic scale. Mm -hmm. So we automatically we couldn't possibly think that if we adopt the same philosophies that put our people there that the, the things that we do don't directly affect us in every way. I mean, you it's know. the story. It's the story of OJ. It's the story of OJ all over again. The song, the song story. Of okay. OJ. <laughs> it's the story of OJ. Still, nigga. You yeah. know what I mean? And sometimes it takes for you to get out there and think that you know, like the the problems that affect us don't affect you now because you become rich. It takes for you to get into a couple of situations where you know, like that that should have get put back in perspective really quick. That's a fact. And then you know, my thing is, you'll need us before we need you, buddy. You know what I mean? But you're going to need us again. Yeah. If you think that you've elevated beyond us because of capital gain, you know, as long as we we have no control of uh, of the circulation of money in our community and we continue to carry ourselves as if there's not a whole lot of money in our community, there's plenty of money in our there's community. A lot. We just don't control it. It just goes out. Mm -hmm. You know, so um if you're just, you know, one of the lonely rich black people, then you you haven't really done anything to affect the bottom line. The wealth gap is still what it's always been. That's you, a fact. We haven't closed it any. So that's what needs to be figured out in order for us to even start asking a lot of the questions that we ask. And some of these conversations that we have, without these bottom lines being affected, then how could we possibly judge what's going on in the communities that have been created by this capitalism, gentrification? Like all, all of these things, redlining, all of these things that push black people into these communities that are purposely underserved. There's plenty of money. We just sent a whole bunch of it to fucking Russia. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, it's just inflation anyway. They can print as yeah. much as they want. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's by design. So as long as we know that, you know, then we can start, we, you know, we can start taking steps and um, being the change that we want to see as opposed to just yelling about the problem. Yes, sir. Well, man, my brother, Detroit meets Oakland, bad oh, meets God. keys, man. We about to work on this album. <laughs> bad meets keys. <laughs> Make sure y'all tap in, man. This has been a high level conversation with the legend Royce Defy. Peace.
Experience with uh, with the brother Keys, like just his his energy, um, his mind. I mean, I've been, I guess you can call it a fan. Like I've been a fan because I've been following the brother um, for a minute now. So I was looking forward to talking to talking to you anyway. And um, everything that we spoke about and the way that it went completely lived up to my expectation. You know, I expected him to be his usual super enlightened self you know i actually already knew what it was going to be because i i follow him like that i watch you know when he interviews people when he does shit when i listen whenever he's speaking at something he's doing a seminar or he revokes something or whatever whatever he's doing he easy got a spot in the crowd he always got the crown on you know what i'm saying and he's always pushing a consistent a consistent narrative you know um one day same as the next you know what i mean and, and when people carry themselves that way we call that solid like that's the real version of solid you know what i mean and that's where the trust gets developed at you know you 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 see a guy and it's like no no cracks in his armor you know you don't see him all drunk one day and then another day you know he calm shit like that that's erratic rapper shit <laughs> you know what i'm saying but somebody who just carries themselves the same way you know what to expect. You know what you're going to get. You know what he stands for. He he stands planted in the center of his truth. You know, he's arrived at a place. He's not on a journey. He's not chasing something. He knows exactly what it is. Uh, he's being extremely patient about it because the things that he's putting out there and, and what he's trying to teach, he's trying to teach it to, for the most part, people who a lot of people who aren't ready to receive that that kind of information that kind of information sometimes can uh, stifle people or have people worried about, they can get anxiety just thinking about actually having to apply some of the things that they're taking in. I seen Farrakhan speaking one time and he was just talking about the effect that the food is having on the people and the effect that everything that is capitalism is having on our health, our well-being. And he ended it cold. He was like, but you're going to hear everything I say and you're going to agree with everything I say and you're going to go right back. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's the 85 percent in a nutshell. So it's easy. It's easy to lose faith in just the word even resonating, you know, so to exhibit that level of patience and that level of discipline and that level of understanding, because it takes a lot of understanding as well. You know, people going to give you pushback on things in a way that's ridiculous, you know, but he understands that, that 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 comes along with the calling, you know, and he takes it all in stride, you know, and I appreciate that. So um, I think the conversation that we had was was a reflection of that. It was indicative of that. And it was, you know, three, three plus hours, you know, like, isn't this supposed to be the generation that, that has the shortest attention span? You know, people will hyper focus on the things that they're interested in, you know, so who sit only only people sitting around and talking about shit for three hours are the people that are interested in what they're talking about. You know, I got other I got other stuff to do. You know, what I mean, like I spend 15 hours in a row recording sometimes. 
Sometimes it, it won't keep, it doesn't keep my attention longer than three hours. I got to go get on the phone. You know, it just depends on the mood that I'm in. But whatever I'm doing, I'm hyper-focused on doing what I'm interested in doing. So a conversation like that lasting that long and we not even knowing that the time was flying like that, I think, I think that says everything, you know, so I appreciate it. Man, I had a powerful experience bringing on Royce to now for high-level conversation. You know, it, it, when I think about, you know, the world of entertainers specifically, uh, everybody can't hold a high-level conversation, you did. And so it's important, number one, there's certain voices out there that's already outspoken, that's already intellectual, that's already high-level in what they do, so the collaboration only makes sense. And, you know, what I want to do is, with this platform, a lot of it is provide a space, an intellectual space where entertainers and different people can show different sides of themselves, right? I feel like, you know, early days, there wasn't a platform for rappers to speak and also gain fans from speaking as well and speaking their mind. And so now I feel like there's an opportunity for that vertical to happen, right? We see that with podcasts, but specifically even going even more deeper and intellectual to where a person like, man, I don't want to hear you talk, I want to hear you rap. No, <laughs> now you get to get the full embodiment of who that person is. And that's another vertical of value that they can utilize as well. And I think Royster 59 is already in representation of that. And I've always said when the thought leaders and the rappers get together, but often the, the rappers that we tap in with are already thought leaders. You dig? So it's the perfect collaboration. And like I said, man, this was Bad Meat Keys. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, legacy for me, it, it means a few things. You know, um, you have your legacy that you leave behind after you kind of move on from music. You know, Jay-Z, Jay-Z has already left behind a musical legacy, you know, but he still raps whenever he feels like it. When he finally passes along, which we all do at some point in time, he's going to leave behind a legacy that's going to sum up. We as humans, we got this thing that when somebody passes, we take that as an opportunity to sum up that person's life and everything about that person that they did that affected us in a, in a either a negative way or a positive way. That's legacy as well. But that's something, you know, um, that's more of a reflection of who you were as an individual, as well as your musical leg legacy with more leeway, with more leeway for good shit to be said about you. There's a lot of credit that a lot of us won't get while we're still living musically, you know, but after it's all said and done, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be, it's going to be that, you know what I mean? So me understanding that, that that's what it is, I'm trying to do as many things as I can to be remembered, not only just as a, as an artist, but as a man, you know, like there's, there's, I want people to be proud, proud to talk about the things that I did, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want people summing up, summing up things that I did um, with some negative shit that, that, that happened. Oh, yeah. So, you know, rest in peace, Royce, the guy who fell out with this person and fell out, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to go down in history as that, you know. When people talk about Jordan, they don't talk about all of the shots he missed and all of the games he lost. And he missed plenty and he lost plenty. But they talk about the wins because the wins resonated different, you know. 
So that's that's kind of like where I'm where I'm at with legacy and how I look at it. And I'm more conscious of it now than I've ever been before. And I can only attribute that to just wisdom, wisdom. Because the wisdom came from the mistakes. Peace Family is 19 Keys here, man. I'm here with a hip-hop anomaly here at the Heaven Studios, about to have a high-level conversation with none other than the legendary Royce the Five Nine. Yeah. This high. Tap in. Yeah. This high level of a conversation. <laughs> the highest. The highest of the high. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.